Just thirsty too. Ah, oh, I'll get you a refill. No, don't sweat it. Guys, some more. Nah, come on, I feel bad. Hey, Gordy. Yeah. Why does it look like you have your finger in your butt? Does it do? This, this shows that I know nothing about wrestling or a German suplex. As I said, we're wrestling because we are doing a double of Brian Robbins ready to rumble and Robert Aldridge's didn't realize this was happening. Final movie, all the marbles and here with me to actually explain to me wrestling and all of those weird moves. I, or terms I just said are two of becoming my favorite people. Uh, first of all, we're going to have Andrew Shaw. Hey, how's it going? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Andrew. And also we have someone who actually can kick your ass if she chooses to, because not only she just finished chemo, but now she's back kickboxing. And that is, of course, Wendy Freeman. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> hey, friends. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. On um, I knew I wanted to do a double with both of you, and I knew you were both big wrestling fans. So I was like, can watch wrestling movies i can pretend to no i can't actually i don't but i have two people who can explain to me and dig into this movie this subculture that is totally its own weird universe of thing because um we would as well as everyone's mostly already seen by now the movie iron claw had just come out which about the von eric family pants tomorrow please david I want you to join your brothers in the ring. Yes, sir. I love that. Woo! Now, we all know Carrie's my favorite, then Kev, then David, then Mike. But the rankings can always change. What do you want in life, Kevin Von Eric? More ribs. <laughs> I want to be with my family. You know, be with my brothers. What do you like to do with your brothers? We can do anything. We're here to restore justice to the wrestling federation that our father built with his own two hands. The hands that were passed down to us. The hands that will deliver the iron claw to you. So what do you think? Like we're alive. Andrew, you just saw this yesterday. Um, so how much did you cry? Uh, I think there's a point where you just don't stop crying in that movie. I think it sort of it hits about the you know hour hour ten mark, and then from then on, it's just. But, you know, get, get the tissue sponsorship in for that one. Um, no, I, I loved it. I thought it was 
just a phenomenal movie. And then sort of, you know, it's sort of the movie when The Wrestler came out with Mickey Rourke a few years ago and everyone's like, oh my God, it's the greatest wrestling movie ever. And wrestling fans saw it and went, it's pretty good. This is the wrestling movie. This is the one that fans are like, you know, especially wrestling fans know the story. So it was sort of, it, there, I saw a lot of um, TikToks of grown men going into the cinema going, I want to go watch this Iron Claw wrestling movie. And then it cuts to afterwards and they're all walking out absolutely broken. And it's, it's yeah, for the wrestling fans that know the story, it's a, it's a heartbreaker of a movie. It is. Uh, Wendy, you saw it when it first came out. Did, were you completely, oh, my God, did, did it have a shattering, a shattering effect on you? Because you're both oh, wrestling absolutely. fans, so you already you probably knew who the Von Erics were. Right. We knew the whole story, but it's so funny how, like, everyone I talked to had forgotten some element of it. Like, you forget that, like, the one guy was an amputee or you forget, you know, like, like when one of them died, which one of them, how they, each of them died. Like, it was the virgin suicides for men. It is. I, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so is the virgin suicides for men. Like, I know I was obsessed with, like, everyone in 99 when they were a teenage girl. That movie came out and you're just like, life is pain. <laughs> And so Kevin is literally a virgin in the movie. He is. <laughs> you know, my my favorite non-death-related moment was uh, at the wedding when uh, Zac Efron, like you could tell Zac Efron still knows how to dance really well. <laughs> <laughs> he was really holding it back, wasn't he? He was doing, he started to go, no, wait, I can't, I've got to be, I've got to be a wrestler, hang on. Yeah, hang on, i got to go no rhythm. Yeah, but you could kind of see he could definitely, because everyone else was in that wedding dance, everyone else kind of was really dorky, and he's like, no, 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 i got the moves. <laughs> Which, yeah. <laughs> no, he okay, actually that. really surprised me, No, because he's playing the surviving, Zach Efron's playing the surviving brother, but you so you see him wrestle more than you do the others, and he's the one really putting himself, you see him, He's the one putting himself through everything, like every wrestling move. He's the one who's actually, I mean, he's huge in it. It's like, yeah. oh my God, like you're a, just a chunk of muscle in this. But he's the one who's actually really putting him, you feel he's the one who's actually hurting himself more than the other actors, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. And he made himself, like the thing is, the only thing that sort of, it threw me off a little bit is that the Von Erics were big men too. Like they were really tall. So seeing, Efron and the guy from the bear whose name I can't remember who are very short dudes yeah so it's sort of like you you know Kerry Von, Kerry Von Eric was massive he was a he they called him the modern day warrior and he looked like Conan the Barbarian with his long hair and his, the way he was built so it was sort of that was the one thing that was sort of like it was a bit off for me it was just just that little bit too short the only one was um was it David the tall blonde guy he looked Harris Dickinson, yeah. a bit more yeah. yeah yeah Wendy what did you think of the actual wrestling in, in Iron Claw? I mean, uh, you know, I think I think it looked good, and you know, and I, I I like the fact that, like, of course, obviously they did the press tour where all of them were like very very respectful about how hard it is and and all the work mm. they had to do. You know, I always I always like hearing about that. You know, you like hearing about what people go through for these roles, and I think they pulled it off, looking looking convincing with mm. stuff. And uh, and I, I saw it at the Alamo Draft House where before the movie they did like a pre show where they played all the promos, all the original promos and like all the original. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, awesome. No, yeah. that's that's amazing. No, I liked how the dip the wrestling every time there was a wrestling thing it changed. Like when you first I think it's Holt McKin McKinley, um, it opens like with this raging bull kind of thing where the actual the wrestling he looks like he's actually just like stomping on the guy full ball. It doesn't look like he's holding <laughs> back and then it's more playful when the three of them are together but then when you get the poor the youngest one 
well, there was another youngest one, but the youngest one in the movie who I think they mixed the two together, who looked like Chuck Pradunigan. Well, this feels like child abuse when he's in the ring, but you can tell he's not connecting and all that kind of thing. So I really liked how the wrestling with someone who doesn't know much about it, the wrestling was actually shot. It was um, it was very textured and telling the emotional beats of the story through the um, through the action. Yeah, you get the the big um the uh, montage through um Russia's uh, Tom Sawyer with you know showing Kerry coming through and you know that whole scene. But it's it's uh, one of the scenes I really liked was um Efron when he um when he's trying to cut the promo, talking about Bruiser Brody and and Gino Hernandez and you're gonna do it. and he kept stuffing up and his brother's wetting himself in the background. But the thing is, you see like the the Von Erics especially like. Kevin was a good wrestler, but he wasn't a great talker. Kerry, they all weren't great talkers, but they could wrestle. And, like, you know, this story's about Kerry and, you know, not to speak ill of the dead, but they talk that Kerry was as dumb as a box of hammers. He was not a smart guy. And there's a, like, Mick Foley talks about it in his book um, that there was a, he was supposed to have a first blood match with another wrestler. <clears throat> and he comes out of the ring and they had, they would tape a little bit of, like, razor blade to their finger so they could cut himself later in the match. And they're standing there doing the intros, and Kerry's standing there with his arms folded, and he just starts scratching his arm. But he's using the finger with the blade, and so he slices his arm open and starts bleeding before the first blood match has even started. Oh, my God. And they're just like, <laughs> Kerry, what are you – he's like, oh, sorry. Like, he was yeah. just – he wasn't – you know, the, unfortunately, they they were just meathead wrestlers, and, like, they're not the – you know, the, the wrestlers we have now where – you know, there's you know someone like a, um, a Claudio Castanoli or Daniel Bryan who are phenomenal wrestlers, but also very intelligent people as well outside of wrestling. Whereas in the '80s, you wanted bodybuilders, bodybuilders who could then take bumps. They wanted the big, you know, you had to look like a cartoon character. You look like He Man instead of it being like the guys now, where <clears throat> you've got a lot of wrestlers who just look like normal dudes who are actually phenomenal wrestlers. Like yes. the Young Bucks, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's it seems like that. But from reading a little bit about, because you always can't take a movie, uh, don't watch movies to get your history, get interested in it and then go back. But when I was reading about it, it just sort of seemed these boys were raised to be wrestlers. Their, yeah. their father wasn't necessarily concerned with te- wanting them to teach outside of being a wrestler. I mean, there's a line in the movie where I heard this, the song went, <laughs> bullshit. When he says, I didn't want you to be wrestlers. This was just a way to make money, but yet I need to get Kerry into the family business. Yeah. So but don't forget, Kerry's Kerry's the favorite, then yeah. Kevin, then then David, and Michael is last, but the rankings can always change. Exactly. Which is <laughs> the most horrible thing I reckon I've ever heard a father say in a movie. <laughs> I reckon he did this every morning. Like he would just like oh. go in and go, This is the ranking. This is where you're all sitting, and Paul Michael's at the end going, I just like food. I just want to play. I don't, I don't even want to be a wrestler. What are you doing yeah. to me? I just want to go play my guitar. I'm in a really good band. Yes, yeah. I like that <laughs> song they kept using over and over mm. again. That, that, was, that was a really good song. But It was a fun thing. Just Yeah, it was a fun kind of that bar, that thing moment was um really fun, but it's kind of hard because I kept comparing, which is not fair to compare anyone to Scorsese, but I kept comparing it to Killers of the Flower Moon, a movie which is also – incredibly sad and incredibly, incredibly depressive because it is also about this um, person, uh, the Lily Gladstone's character, just watching her family just be killed mm-hmm. after and after again. Same with um, with uh, Zac Efron's um, character. But I was, so I was like, yeah, but they sort of, he's kind of, Scorsese's kind of like leading you down this thing, oh, no, no, we're going over here. Oh, no, we're going back to another death. And then you have to watch Lily Gladstone be absolutely devastated and just kind of lose her soul with each with each death. This one, 
I got a bit, oh God, not another one. Like not another death. Yeah. I can't, I can't handle this. <laughs> oh no. But I think that's kind of the point of the movie. It's like getting with this mindset that, okay, maybe these kind of changing your body, doing doing this on a regular basis to your body isn't exactly healthy. And maybe having a family with kids, maybe a slightly better option. Well, I mean, it's also interesting. I mean, we've learned so much more about CTE since then. We've learned so much more about brain injuries and like we've had the Chris Benoit thing and, uh, you know, like so many more horrible things have, have happened since that I feel like wrestlers now are much more savvy about protecting themselves and really being cautious about long-term brain injuries, you know? Oh, you do like definitely them- see that, yeah. The point mm-hmm. that Andrew saw that these guys, I think now a days you have to be more savvy especially if you're working for Vince McMahon. Sorry, I, that that's all over the news. He, um, hmm. But you do have to be concerned about your brand. You, what are you going to do after wrestling? Um, yeah. Making sure you're taking care of yourself so you don't kill yourself in the ring. Like, <laughs> And there's a lot less steroid abuse these days too. Like back then, that was that was how you did it. You know, there was the McMahon steroid trials they had in the, was the late 80s, early 90s as well. And that was why Hulk Hogan had to go on a break from wrestling because – they needed him to clean out so he could could come back because they were testing everybody. And but like I said, these days, you know, you don't have that. You have guys who look good, but it's it's all natural, all most of them anyway. It's all natural. Whereas back then it was well, you you need to get bigger. So we're going to give you all the steroids we can find and pump you full of them. And then you, as soon as you you stop wrestling and you stop taking the steroids, your body's going to break down and you're going to be, you know, you're going to be 40 years old walking with a walking stick and barely able to move. It's horrible. Yeah, they also- should oh sorry, Wendy, yeah. And also with with like AEW and stuff, like you have a lot more guys who could just be characters like Orange Cassidy, mm. you know, like Orange Cassidy, like you, you got to see him, Lindsay. He's, he's, this, he's this guy, his whole shtick is like, he's just like super chill and he just wears like jeans and then, you know, a jean jacket with his face on it. And he, like, he's just like, he only like gets really hardcore when he has to. His whole thing, like he will just like casually throw like a little kick or do that, you know, and he's- Oh like, my God, he so- is actually orange. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's awesome. He's so great. He's so but good. It's like, he's huge. He's he's over huge. It's like mm-hmm. you can have these people who are you know more character first. Although I mean, he's also a great wrestler. But but you can develop that more now and have that be more accepting rather than just have your entire character be like, oh, I'm a big hulking muscle guy. <laughs> well, yeah. Although, I, mean, that... I don't know. Wardlow and and Brian Cage, like that's all they have going for them. <laughs> Yeah, it's I mean, it's it kind of was the 80s, though. I mean, the action stars was Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, there's a famous case when, um, well, this is conjecture and rumor, so Sylvester Stallone don't sue me, but he was denied into Australia once because they found some certain um, things yep. on him and he had to quickly fly back to the, to the States. So these guys, there was that even, like, you look at Van Damme, who's much more of a slighter, smaller guy, has muscles for Brussels. Like he is, yeah. the 80s was the time when you were huge and then it took sort of um, diehard to go, no, your dad can be the action hero and he can be Bruce Willis. <laughs> so, yeah, that was I, just kind of the 80s. <laughs> but I think these days too, like it's not illegal for an actor to use steroids to get that big. So I kind of wish they'd come out and say, oh, yeah, I, to get this physique, like the guys in this movie, I had to do a course of steroids over this time to look like that. It's the Kumail Nanjani versus um, who's the guy from Always Sunny who lost in game. Uh, Rob McKellen. Yeah, Rob McAlley. Yeah. yeah, Rob McAlley. Like Kumail Nanjani to beef up for the Mar, not the Marvels, you know, the Eternals 
lied through his teeth and said like, oh, you know, no, this is all natural. Oh, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's all and chicken like, and it's all chicken and spinach. I'm like, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, oh, no, Marvel made me. They made me. It's like, bitch, please. Like, you wore CG throughout the whole thing. Like, you didn't even take your shirt off. You didn't yeah. even dance properly in the Bollywood scene. I'm like, come on. <laughs> and I like the Eternals. <laughs> Yeah. And meanwhile, Rob McElhinney's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I worked out nonstop and I had a, I had, a, I had all this stuff that normal people do not have access to. Yeah. I had a personal chef. I had all this stuff. He was like a normal person cannot do this. Like you mm. need to have money and, and time to devote to this. Yeah. I think even Rob, Paul Rudd even talked about it. He sort of says, yeah, my um, one treat was a soda water. Like it was, he yeah. said, it's the stupidly restrictive. And you have, like, people on you 24-7 making sure you eat right, that you do this, you probably have supplements that you would not be using if you were doing sport, all this kind of thing. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, he's even talked about it a little. It's kind of like this open secret. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, yeah. Well, there's yeah. no way known that Hugh Jackman at his age can get to that big to play Wolverine in the next Deadpool movie. It's no. just not achievable. He could, he could look good, but he's not going to get as huge as he was because otherwise he'd need some extra chemical help. Yeah, and it's kind of... Weird, and I think it's kind of, I mean, it. I mean, even Zac Efron has talked about his body dysmorphia and his eating disorders, and the fact that he is obsessed with with the gym. And I think it's kind of guys should probably need to talk about this more because it is just as harmful as say when a. Because um, I know so many female friends have gone through eating disorders, and <clears throat> you are a little club when you. So I don't know with with guys if they do talk about it, but I think. Yeah, it needs to be talked as much as about with eating disorders is, is not is always considered more of a female thing because weird things. But no, men go through it as well, and especially mm-hmm. because we are putting our superstars through this thing where they yeah. have to have like designer abs. Like it's like, no, can we just go back to the seventies, Bod Dad? That was great. Well, there was, <laughs> you know, like, and this there was a meme I saw a little while ago, and it was you know saying about how for a while there they said the Barbie was an unachievable body figure for women and it was making girls feel bad and everything like that. And next one said, this is He-Man. This is what yeah. He-Man looks exactly. like. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm sorry. I, I He-Man can't could not that. stand either. <laughs> He-Man could not stand either. Have you seen how small his waist was? And how yeah. it's just like. He was yep. corseting. You know? He was, he was <laughs> corseting. Yes. <laughs> well, even just last week, there was the meme going around the picture of uh, Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford shirtless. And they were like, he looked hot here, but this would not be this would not be approved of. Like no. you would think that now, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, and it's it... funny because Wendy, you would have had this as well. Like, you've met a lot of wrestlers as well, and you see him on TV and they're huge and they're big. Like I've met Brian Cage like six times, and Brian Cage is this. He is he is obviously on something. It's it's yeah. you know it's not hard to tell. Yeah. <laughs> he, he looks and he looks giant on TV and he's bigger than all the other wrestlers. And I stood next to him. I'm six foot tall and I'm a good two inches taller than him and with the photos he always leans forward and puts his arm up like like most of the muscles so he looks like he's ahead of us so it looks like the, the perspective always works. i love don't get me wrong i love the guy i think he's great he's a lovely person but it's just funny how he does it to us because my friend who i go with is about six foot three and he always leans forward ahead of us in the photos <laughs> Well, it's so funny because, like, I'm such a huge fan of the Joshi wrestlers. Like, I love the Japanese women's wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And so this year I met, like, three three women that I'm a huge, huge fan of. And I was so amazed. I'm, like, a foot tall. <laughs> yeah, they're tiny. Standing yeah. next to Makito and standing next to Miyu Yamashita. Like, they're, like, 5'2 or something. Makito is hilarious. I got to see her last year. She's oh, so she's, funny. Actually, with female, because I know the guys have to be big, even if they're not tall. 
Like we're, uh, we're sort of watching the new series of uh, Reacher and just the way the camera keeps like pointing up is making him look like he's like seven foot three when he, yeah. Alan Richardson's like six one, which is not like a small person, but they, again. Yeah, also built like a brick shit house though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm like, you can't fit through a door now. Like your arms are just mm. too like big. Um, but it was just kind of this weird thing of, yeah, you're seeing that, that, that though, sorry, getting distracted. How um, big, how tall tend to female wrestlers tend to be? Do they all tend to be really, really tiny, That's like Florence like, Pugh or? Yeah. 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 Like yeah. All yeah. The, all yeah. the women I've met are, are like super tiny, except for mm. like, uh, I mean, Charlotte, Charlotte Flair is, is six feet tall. Like mm. she's. Yeah, she's tall. But that's, and six foot is tall for a female wrestler. Um, it's, you know, you see some of them and you can, a good way to look at it is this perspective with the ring ropes. Like you watch where the men run and it hits them sort of, you know, middle of their back. Yeah. And then you watch the girls and they're hitting the second rope with that sort of height as well. Like it's, you know, you get, the problem is with the women, it, the, the height really doesn't matter as much for the women, but with the men, the taller you are, usually the worse wrestler you are. Oh. Look at some of the people who've come through, the, yes. you know, like your giant Gonzalez, who was seven foot four, who is, has gone down in one of, in history is one of the worst wrestlers of all time like it's it looks good but doesn't mean it's not going to mean good matches so when something like back in the day andre the giant who was legitimately huge he was never going to be like a big stunt guy in the ring because he could never have done those no but he was actually he was a smart wrestler though he he used his size and his weight a lot to his advantage too Okay. But yeah. I he had heart problems because he had mm. so many health problems because well, of his size. Yeah. That he couldn't do a lot either. And then also, like, what well, you got, like, Big Show. You've got, like, other guys who are, mm. you know, like, seven feet tall or something. And they're just not, I don't really care about seeing them. You know? <laughs> no. One of my favorite fun. female wrestlers was Candice LeRae. Like, I love Candice LeRae because she would do a lot of these intergender matches and she would just be fucking throwing herself at people and just doing, you know, like all these incredible. Yeah. Uh, like, like she, she was absolutely fearless, you know? And Ooh. it's like, that's what, that's what I look for in a female wrestler is like, I want to see somebody who's just like, just absolutely fearless and in, in taking yeah. bumps. And doing stuff like that, you know, that's that's impressive mm. to me. So no, then yeah. physical. I do think wrestling has gone through this weird journey, just so someone who's looking at the outside, because to be honest, my style of wrestling is drag race, watching these six foot one guys in like massive heels doing death drops and there's you know, not there's not much difference, honestly. There, there really there isn't, isn't that much difference. Um and you're wondering how do you do that to your body? Again, you have to be very smart and kind of thing, but it's a it's yeah. a bit yeah, it's it's similar. Like <laughs> I haven't watched that Cassandro film yet either. Cassandro, the one about the uh, the the film about it's on it's on Amazon, it's on Prime. It's about um, uh, you know, there's the there's uh, the luchadors like the the Mexican wrestlers who are like the the transgender. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. can say that. Yeah. yeah. So there's like there's a whole. Uh, let me look up who's in this one because it looks really it looks really interesting. Exoticos, they call them exoticos. Interesting. And the whole class of wrestlers. Gail Garcia Bernal stars. Uh, yeah. Oh, is that what that? Oh, okay, I, yeah, I do want to watch that because it was uh, Gail Garcia Bernal, and I was like, oh, and, and, he's, and he's wrestling. <laughs> yes, that. Yes, please. Um, Bad Bunny is in it. You know, yeah, it looks yeah. good. Bad Bunny. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> the, the thing I think these days too with wrestling is that it's. If you if you're a good promo guy, so if you're a good talker and you can get the crowd on your side by talking or against you by talking, I think that goes a further these days than it did in the days of Hulk Hogan doing the, well, brother, say your prayers, take your vitamins and Hulkamaniacs, and 
you know, and you had the macho man who sounded like he was constipated constantly. Doing that, you know, whereas back in the day, I always, and I, I, when I was a kid, I watched wrestling and then I went off it for years and I thought it was stupid up until a point where I saw Eddie Guerrero, who is my favorite wrestler of all time. And Eddie Guerrero is brilliant. But, but back then, Jake the Snake Roberts was always my favorite promo guy because he would just talk like this and he would talk very quietly. And he sounded like, he reminded me of like, Robert De Niro in Cape Fear or Robert Mitchum in The Night of the Hunter where he was just this very quiet and he was menacing and scary. And then he'd get in the ring and he was even scarier because he'd bring a whole damn snake into the ring. And, you know, so we're, but these days there's a lot, there are a lot of the wrestlers are a lot better talkers. They can, you know, like as much as Chris Benoit, we, they've erased him from wrestling history was one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Could not speak. He was terrible on the microphone. Um, whereas like someone like Eddie Guerrero, there's a promo that he cuts against JBL, who's a horrible person as well. It's funny how every second person in wrestling is a horrible person. It's kind of like in entertainment. I mean, you, you, mm. yeah, I've had so many people who I love and then you find out, so you're like, oh man. Yeah. Okay. But, but Eddie cuts this promo and it, like, I, I watch it to this day. It's, it's 20 years old now and it still gives me chills talking about his career and, you know, he had, he went, he became addicted to, to painkillers and he became an alcoholic and he got clean and he got back and became the world champion. And he does this promo and like the, the day he died, he was my favorite wrestler of all time. The day he died, I bawled like a baby. I was so upset when he died. And it's the problem is, is that there's a, you look at some of these wrestlers and you go, most of them don't live past 40 no. or a lot of them don't. And it's usually either because of steroid abuse or their own hand or something stupid that they've done. You've got the odd ones like um, Jay Briscoe, who passed away recently in a car accident, you know, but most of them, it's... Brody Lee, his, his dad. Yeah, Brody Lee, who was just, yeah, had lung problems, or um, Bray Wyatt, who had lung heart problems as well. And, you know, and then you get the people like Bruiser Brody, whose character is in Iron Claw, who got stabbed to death in the in a um, locker room in Puerto Rico that no one witnessed. Yeah, magically, like no one had a locker room. Oh. No one witnessed him getting stabbed. <laughs> like it's, it's it, honestly, I love. I, and when do you look at this? Too, I, I love wrestling, and I think it's better now. But in the history, it is a shit business. It is awful. It is people it, have been treated like shit since the start of it. <laughs> it sort of seems to be. I mean, I think it's still got that factor because you still have the like the Logan brothers who want to get in the ring. I mean, they've had like guys like Alex Jones and even the Orange um, Messiah himself, friggin' Trump, but. It's kind of this weird thing where it's kind of where other people sort of go when you'll say you you get hurt in football or something sort of mm-hmm. happens. I mean, yes, you do have dynasties. I know even The Rock is from from a wrestling dynasty. The Von Eriks. Samoan is related in wrestling, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and all that sort of kind of thing. But it sort of seems to be this kind of – I think it's a lot better because I think that it's, it's much more about entertainment, but there seems to be this sort of freak show element to it, which mm. is probably why these guys kind of ruin themselves. But it's gone through this, and because of that, it's gone through this really interesting trajectory. Like, I remember as a kid when I found someone, it was like finding out that, sorry, uh, Santa Claus is real, but when someone told me that Santa Claus may not be coming to every single house, it was kind of like when I found out wrestling wasn't real. Like, you're a kid, and then you think Hulk Hogan is legit, is, it, it was like a sport thing. You use the best of like a, of a, mm. like a basketball game or rugby game or a, a football game. And then you find out that's not how it is. So everyone kind of went, oh, well, this is dumb if it's fake. But then you don't realize what these guys are actually putting themselves through. Yeah. And then yeah. it's kind of gone back to the go, oh, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's pre-planned. I mean, WWE has a whole team of writers and they kind of decide the storylines and all that kind of thing. But 
what you watch these guys go through isn't isn't fake because they're actually hurting themselves every single time they get in the ring. Mm-hmm. It's just stunt choreography and everything like that. So it's it's this really sort of fascinating trajectory of letting people know how the sausage is made and letting people actually know actually know when someone's okay. So they're not slamming their elbow into their face when they're jumping on them, but they're doing it right on their shoulder or right next to them or. They're still flipping and kind of, I mean, hitting those ropes is, must be so painful. Like, it's not like a easy thing yeah, to do. You see, yeah. Pedal yeah. cord under there, right? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, and, and just freak accidents happen all the time to people. Oh, in the ring. Not. Yeah. Like, yeah, on harder, or like, you know, my, my Brian Danielson, you know, just yeah. uh, had to have surgery on his orbital bone. He broke his orbital bone, you know, just like all these things are CM Punk breaking, yeah. <laughs> he broke his foot jumping into the crowd on the way to the ring, you know, <laughs> shit. dumb shit all the time. But, and then like the, um, we think we were talking earlier about, um, uh, the dark side of the ring and how much that's exposed a lot of it as well. And there's, like when back when they used to have the yeah, kayfabe and they'd say to people, you know, people go, oh, it's not real. And the wrestlers, like, they'd be in a bar and a wrestler, someone would go, oh, what you do isn't real. And the wrestler would kick the shit out of the guy and go, was that real? And like, it's it's stuff then where it's like horrible. But then you've got, um, there's an episode about um, Dave Schultz on Dark Side of the Ring. And he, the story, the story's a bit gray because they, he reckons Vince McMahon told him to do it. But then Vince said, I had nothing to do with it. And there was a reporter who came to talk to the wrestlers and he walked out. Dave Schultz walked out to him and the reporter said, oh, yeah, well, he goes, yeah, but what you do isn't real. And Dave Schultz just went bang and smacked him in the face and said, was that not real? And then the guy, I think he like he popped his eardrum or broke his eye socket or something yeah. and sued the wrestler. And Dave Schultz was blacklisted from wrestling. He was done after that because he, he did something that, you know, you're not supposed to do that on people who aren't being horrible to you. But it was, yeah, he, it's a really interesting episode of the, of the show. Need, I need to watch this because I think it is fascinating because I think there are so many um well, it's like every sort of form of entertainment um though I do know Vince McMahon changed it from a sports thing to a sports entertainment so he didn't have to have the same rules like so he could get the guys roided up like that mm-hmm. was essentially it um like I think I was reading about him that he actually of all the like of all the horrible things this man I mean, has probably, probably the, the lightest of things that he did too yeah the lightest this is like <laughs> this is like the happy-go-lucky um stuff that he's actually done <laughs> Um, but he was actually charged and on held on, I think he had to go to Congress or so he was on trial for actually, um, they were trying to get him on like distribute, distribute that. Yeah. And they couldn't get quite get him because it was like, well, is it illegal if it's for entertainment or it, but this isn't actually it, it, when he changed the category from sport, I think, or he, then he did it after that when he, I don't know. I, this is only things I've just vaguely read. I'm like, okay, so yeah. what is actually going? Yeah. So it's kind of a fascinating thing of, how the sausage is made, but they do actually put themselves. I mean, it's like any stunt actor or like even Keanu Reeves. Um, I was just listening to action for everyone when they're talking about the fact that in the John Wick movies, Keanu Reeves doesn't kick that much. No, it's one. He's not a, was never a trained martial artist Two, He was like in his like, Oh God, fifties when he started John Wick, he could, the man can't do the same things anymore. So <laughs> yes. I'm 41 and I can't do the same things I used to do anymore. Yeah, yeah, same here. Like, I'm just like, you want me to do what? Wendy, on the other hand, is like a specimen of yeah. like. Wendy's, abs- a su- Wendy's a superhero. We know <laughs> that. Wendy is an absolute superhero. But <laughs> I've, I've known that for many years. Many, many, many years. <laughs> Going for a 5K run like a week after you finished your goddamn chemo. I almost missed you. Going, Wendy, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've run 5K in my whole life. <laughs> my oncologist would kill me if he knew what I was doing today. I was. <laughs> 
this morning. I was getting kicked in the boob this morning. <laughs> superhero, absolute superhero. Like, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Um, but yes, we might as well get into these movies because this is going to be bring all these things in together, especially. Yeah, so as I imagined, we're in, sitting in a theatre, um, we're about to open the curtains, we're going to go for Ready to Rumble. I did not know that it was as con- this movie was as controversial as it was when um, Andrew suggested it. <laughs> oh my god, this like was, oh my god, um, so many things came from this movie and ended <laughs> because of this movie. <laughs> um, so we'll start with Andy. What is going to be your trailer for Ready to Rumble? Um, so for me, uh, pretty much... I had a bit of a, because there's so many wrestling movies, but I thought there's only one, there's one real documentary. And I think we were talking about it beforehand, Lindsay. So I don't know if I'm spoiling your, your trailer as well. But, no, 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 no. Um, you have to. So this has to, if I know what it, this is, yeah, we have to talk about this one. It's the, yeah, it's so, the response. Yeah. Yeah. So the response to this movie pretty much is um, you cannot kill David Arquette. David Arquette is the wrestler sucks. I don't give a shit about David Arquette. It's the biggest disgrace in professional wrestling history. David Arquette just... What's going on here? An untrained Hollywood actor wins most prestigious championship. His involvement in wrestling really hurt his career. Ten years of rejection. That's crazy. I want to clear my name and, through the process, honor wrestling. This ain't the movies. We don't have stunt doubles. I'd like to announce my return to professional wrestling. Can I wrestle again? What are your thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> That's my boy. Why do you want to get back in the ring? It's been 18 years of people thinking I disrespected wrestling. I'm just kind of sick of being a joke. There's a lot going on with David. His anxiety is crippling. Two years ago, it's a heart attack. A year later, it's a death match. So what does that mean for next year? The ribs actually break, they can actually bleed into your lung. Wrestling's not fair, guys. Um, it's a brilliant documentary. It's I, I've always been a fan of David Arquette. I love the Scream movies. I think he he seems like a really just a genuine dork of a guy. Like he yes. seems lovely. And he and if you watch You Cannot Kill David David Arquette, it tells you about a guy who has always loved wrestling. He's a massive wrestling fan. And then the backlash from this movie and what led to him winning the WCW world title at the time, which, you know, they've, they've done it in the past where they've put, you know, like you look at Logan Paul now and things like that, but this was a, a stunt and they took one of the most prestigious world titles of the time and put it on him. He didn't want to do it. They did it anyway. Um, and it's the fallout and the backlash and the hate and vitriol that he got for a stunt. And then he sort of said to himself, well, you know what? I'm going to become a wrestler because I'm going to show you that I can actually do it. And he does. And, well, when Nick Gage almost ends it when you watch the documentary. But, um, oh, is yeah, that another fascinating character? Like, you need to know about Nick Gage. Oh, my so God. That's a, because that's the deathmatch one when, yeah. like... He stabs him with the light tube. Oh, yeah. my yeah. God, because I almost so, fell over. Because beforehand, I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's doing wrestling. He's taking care of himself. Yes. And then all of a sudden, that match happens. And there's also... There's a weird thing of death running through that because this is when also said I didn't realize how close him and Luke Perry were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just like suddenly just goes, oh man, that's right, Luke Perry died. Now I'm really yeah. sad, and those two were best friends. Um, and Luke Perry, yeah, wrestle. Luke Perry's yeah, J- Jungle Boy. Yeah, Jungle Boy. 
was like a full circle moment. It was like, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Nick Cage, the wrestler who stabbed him, who he had that death match with, is a guy who like had a bunch of drug problems and he went to jail for robbing a bank. Like literally, like mm-hmm. he went to, he robbed a bank and he went to prison for that. And then he came back and now he's like one of the weirdest, wholesomest people. Like he's <laughs> awesome now. <laughs> I love that guy death cult. I love how yeah, that I mean, scene's yeah. set up as well because they're sort of going in. He's doing really well. He's like getting, he's he's like getting no people going. Hey, David, former WCW champion, um, David Arquette. Yes, um, is like doing this, and then he goes to this match, and you just see them bring out this table that's obviously been sn- snapped in half, like someone's been thrown on it, and all these like debris, and the look on his face is like, uh oh. I'm, I'm not a massive fan of um deathmatch wrestling. I can I can take some of it sometimes, but yeah. then. You see some of it and you just go, like some of the indie stuff where people are getting thrown, you know, off massive scaffolding through glass. Like, and t- like, like tax on the thing. I'm like, what are you doing oh, to yourself? Oh, tax, tax aren't the least of the worries. You oh, see absolutely. some of the other ones. Or- yeah, I, I go every year, every summer, I go to the middle of the cornfields of Wisconsin to this one <laughs> death match, the ICW, like, Hateful Eight or whatever it's called, so the Insane Eight, and it's, like, the top eight deathmatch wrestlers or whatever, and the, it's just, like, nonstop, like, there's, like, a giant trampoline of barbed wire and just, like, just a huge glass table, just all this stuff, and it's just incredible how nobody dies. I was going to say, how do people not die? I mean... Like, David Arquette has a neck wound because he got stabbed in the thing, and he's, like, holding it. And I'm like, wait, that guy's bleeding out of his neck. That's not a place you want to be bleeding out of. <laughs> like, Yeah, and it's, you know, the, the whole documentary, and you see that he actually does have a love for the wrestling industry as much as, you know, the movie we're about to talk about is an interesting movie. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's he, just, he just loves it. And, you know, the, the, the funniest part of it, though, the thing that made me laugh the most was that, like, you know, he, we all know he was married to Courtney Cox. And she's still in it because they seem to be very good friends still as well. Yes, even though she was, never got his, the wrestling thing. She was like, what? Yeah, but you meet his new girlfriend. I'm not sure if it was his wife at the time. Oh, he has a type. Who looks exactly like Courtney. <laughs> no, he has a, I, saw, I thought it was Courtney. I'm like, oh, wait, they're still yeah. hanging out. No, There's that's not Courtney. I'm like, I go, oh. Hang on. Was that Courtney? Oh, like, he's like, Actually, I no. would not want to be married to him. I feel like he just seems like the most high-strung person. I would not want to be married to him. No, <laughs> he's he's more comfortable with his toddlers than he is his like <laughs> wife. <laughs> like that's just he's there's a, he can kind of I don't know. It's not like it's it's a level thing. It's just like they've got, they've got the same energy. Like a toddler's always on until they're not. Yeah. And same with David David Arquette. Like he is always on until he's throwing up in a box. Like it's. Yep. Yeah, but it, my favorite part of it is actually when they're talking to his sisters because you know the amazing Patricia and the amazing um can't remember her name Rosanna Rosanna got to give Roxanne I'm like no Rosanna and, and Patricia's first uh, Arquette's first line is like oh can you show penises what network is this for like I'm just like bless you <laughs> <laughs> and then um yep. yeah um uh, and then she's the other one just like sitting in a chair going. I don't get it, but it makes him happy. So what are you going to do? Like, it's just, I mean, God, that fa- that family sounded like they had the worst upbringing, but at the same time, it was that you could tell that they're, they're so, those four kids are still so stupidly close that it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but just, yeah, Patricia walking out going, can we show penises on this? What network is this for again? What's my brother, <laughs> what's my brother doing now? Oh, God. Um, but yeah, Wendy, you've seen this, obviously, because yeah. it's, mm-hmm. yes, it's Dewey. <laughs> um okay so yeah um Wendy what is going to be your trailer for ready to rumble 
Oh, well, uh, the trailer I wanted to present was uh, was called My Dad is a Heel Wrestler. パパの仕事何何あいつゴキブリマスクみんなの嫌われ者だ卑怯だぞゴキブリマスクパパ翔太パパは私たちのために一生懸命働いてくれてるんだよ翔太のパパプロレスラーなんだって<笑> And it's a Japanese film and it stars a guy named uh, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. And it's like this very, it's this family movie and it's this very, very endearing film about like this little boy who finds out that his dad who plays this, this wrestler, I forget, it's like, like the big roach or the big bug yeah. or something like that. <laughs> and, like, and he, and everybody hates this wrestler and he wears a mask, he's dressed like a roach or whatever. And then like, he realizes that it's his father and like, he's so ashamed. It's just, it's this very cute, sweet movie, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny because I don't think Tanahashi He's been a heel his whole career either. I think he's always been the ace of New Japan. <laughs> Literally, Tanahashi has like the prettiest mom hair. Like <laughs> he's the president he of New really Japan does. now, too. He is actually he, that hair is feathered. Um no, this yeah. song this song's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how because Japan also is a big wrestling country, because they mentioned this in the mm-hmm. Iron Claw. They definitely mm-hmm. mention this in all the marbles that you go to Japan, once you're kind of getting your really foot, if you've got working towards the championship, you go to Japan to get that extra um, publicity mm-hmm. bump. And, like, and it works yeah. the same way as well. New Japan yeah. send people over to do excursions into America. And it usually never works out well the other way around. The, the Japanese wrestlers usually get lumped into some kind of Kato or oh, uh, yeah. angry, you know, kamikaze type Japanese wrestler. And it usually doesn't work well the other way. Yeah, yeah, but like AEW has been doing these like forbidden door shows, these crossover shows with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they've all been phenomenal. They've just been mm. incredible. And, and and yeah, Andrew got me into a lot of New Japan stuff. So, so you know, well, yes, I would, yeah, I feel like Zack Saber Jr. was the very first wrestler oh. that I really fell in love with. Or like, yeah. like I've been doing a bunch of BJJ at the time, I've been doing some, some grappling stuff, and I remember like I always thought wrestling was dumb or whatever. And I saw Zack Sabre Jr., who is this, he's this British guy, and he's very, very technical, and he's very, very much about submission holds and and all this stuff. And, like, it clicked. I was like, oh, I understand what he's doing. I get this, you know? No, that's I'm going to have to watch that because that looks absolutely fascinating because, yeah, it is this kind of fascinating kind of uh, the Americans gave Japan um, baseball and they gave them wrestling, obviously, apart from a few other things. But that's kind of that cultural sort of weird crossover. They they didn't really, you know? Yeah, like I didn't realize how big it was in Japan until I went to Japan. I went, oh wait, they really do love baseball. Like that is their, it's almost, it's almost like a national sport. It's like bigger than um, football or soccer. You, other sports you would think would be bigger, but no, it's um, and wrestling apparently, which yeah is is yeah. kind of amazing. It's got that theatricality. Yeah, and like I got to go to a Japanese wrestling um, show in twenty sixteen, I think it was, and it was just amazing. And it's you know, the spectacle is there, but it's also the crowd is very different. They're not loud the whole time. 
and they'll just, you know, and then, you know, you know, we'll start up chants like you go to the footy or something and you, you know, you start up a chant for somebody or something like that. They will just sort of go, Okada, and that's it. <laughs> and, you know, and they'll yell that sort of stuff. But Zack Sabre Jr., I've met Zack Sabre Jr. He is, he's this incredible wrestler. He's a, he's a vegan like myself as well. He, he, and all he's he does, is he just, he just bends people. He just, all he does is bend people. And he, you know, he'll have them in a hold and then also he'll grab their fingers and bend them right back. And, oh. But I'm trying to find it here, but he has the craziest names for his wrestling moves. And one of them is, where is it? I'm trying to find it's it now because he has this really. Like, he's like an 80s preppy villain, basically. Mm. Oh, <laughs> he's a pop Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Of... And, yeah. and he'll call you a dickhead. Like in his promos, he'll go, and Okada, you dickhead, I'm going to come and bash her. <laughs> what is he, Australian? He has, so he has this move. It's it's a double wrist clutch, wrist clutch octopus hold, which is hmm. the actual proper name for it. But he calls it the hurrah, another year. Surely this one will be better than the last. The inexplorable march of progress will lead us all to happiness. So what is he says that before he actually does that? <laughs> no, no, but that's what he's named the move. Like, it's like, you know, how how is a wrestling commentator ever supposed to go, oh, that's the... Yeah, exactly. It's like three sentences. Surely this well, might be better than the last. The like British comedy in jokes or like music yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah. So. yeah, I think some of them named after like Radiohead lyrics and he's right. got stuff like, you know, you can't play Conkers in the middle of London and things like that. Like it's he just has these nuts and he's he's just great. And he, it's funny how like we saw him live in Melbourne and he fought a guy called Ricochet who's in WWE now. And so Ricochet is this high-flying, flippy-dippy wrestler and Zack Sabre is this – down to you know take you to the ground and bend you into ways you're not supposed to bend and they're in the match and they're starting they're all best friends and all of a sudden Zach Hayes just goes and just punches him in the face puts him on the ground and twists him and then he's and the crowd's gone boo and he's like fuck you yeah. <laughs> he's great he just he turns on like you know turns on that on a dime just the going from oh yeah look everyone's happy to see me but screw you all <laughs> a true heel <laughs> yeah very much so currently he's the head of a faction called the mighty don't kneel TM9. Which is an Australian ah. faction. They were, they were, yes, they were, they were an Australian um, faction. Yeah, they were from Perth originally. And that was Bronson Reed, who's in WWE now. He was part of them as well. Mm-hmm. So Very... Mighty Don't is such a great name for a, a faction as well. It's so yeah. good. That is uh, that is very, very cool. Um, okay, so I'm going to go for the non-wrestling movie. But Ready to Rumble is very much fitting into this very specific kind of comedy that was only from oh, maybe, I guess you could say, 99 to like 2002. Like, it was like the stoner comedy, even though I think Ready to yeah. Rumble never quite wants to go to where, say, my trailer, which is Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. We're going to Hollywood. If they can manage to get there. How come we ain't getting no rides? Because you're doing it all wrong. Hey, all the hitches do this. It's the first rule in the book. Do you follow the book too? I live my life by it. You live by the book? Well, you picked us up, didn't you? I got it. All right. What are you doing? Whoa! We keep our eye on the prize and let nothing distract us. She's a machine. The kind you want to ride. Feels like a dream. My friends and I are on a road trip. Your friends, huh? Where are they at? What the? Watch the language, little boy. There's females present. No! Is Hollywood ready for Jay and Silent Bob? Hey! The real Jay and Silent Bob ah! are 
breaking into show business. I hate how fake Hollywood is. But <laughs> yep. it goes. But I think it wants to. It just because it is a wrestling federation, it wants to keep it squeaky clean, which I yeah. was the fascinating thing about this movie we'll get into. Um, but yeah, my trailer is Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. One of the dumbest movies ever made, but one I have a huge soft spot for. <laughs> I do. It's not even, I'm not even guilty. About, I like this movie. <laughs> think about that. This whole genre, it's kind of like road trip. Yes. Uh, you know, yeah, it's like like those dude with like, my car, like yeah, it's yeah, yeah, like sort of raunchy comedies of that specific era. Like they're yeah. not quite quirky's '80s raunchy comedies, but they're their own sort of niche, like Van Wilder, you know, yeah. the American and, yes. anything with Paulie Shaw around that time. Yes, like it's, I, where your lead characters <laughs> are the dumbest people in the world. Like they are just so dumb, but they're endearing at the same time. Yes, straight after Ready to Rumble, they did. Uh, uh, Tubi did recommend uh, Biodome. I went, ah, the memories. <laughs> <laughs> Free mahi mahi. Exactly. <laughs> Yo, I'm I done. actually watched Biodome about three months ago. I recognize. Look, it's dumb, but I still giggled. It's, it's yeah. still, I, I, look, I love Encino Man. I think Encino Man's a, a hilarious movie. And I I can't say I wasn't a bit of a Paulie Shaw fan in that time. I did watch a lot of Son in Law and In the Army Now. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Mm. He's having a comeback. I forget. He's in a series, something. Serious. Well, he's going to play Richard Simmons in a biopic. Yeah, that's, that's actually, it. Yeah, that's actually really kind good. of perfect. Yeah, he yeah, can it's do not bad, actually. Yeah, no, that works. Yeah, no, I mean it's yeah. It'd be Jan and Bob. I mean Kevin Smith was very much around that sort of time. He made a very people sort of would go. Yeah, I heard from guys. I love Clerks because it's kind of, but I hate everything else because it's all just dick jokes. And I'm like, have you not seen Clerks? Clerks is like seventy five percent dick joke. I mean, the how many dicks have you sucked? You know the thirty seven. Exactly. Um, but it's kind of this, he's always has a poignancy, which is a little bit in Jay and Silent Bob, but it, then you just get like, it's the same. I mean, Scream 3 could even fit into this. Like it's got that weird stoner sex comedy kind of thing. Um, I mean, cause Jay and, cause it was Miramax, Jay and Silent Bob kind of show up in Scream 3, but it, yeah, I mean, it kind well, speaking of. Speaking of awful people. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> just, can we not be such an awful person? Do we have to do the, oh, do we have to go to that level guys? I mean. Mm. Vince should have been in jail like 30 years ago and he's still not, which oh, yeah. surprises me. Yeah. This really, and sort of watching the first few minutes of Ready to Rumble, I was like... My dad sucks, man. I mean, he's making me take that cop exam. I mean, I should be able to make up my mind about what I want to do with my life. But who cares, bro? What's tonight? Monday Night Nitro! Tonight's main event for the WCW Heavyweight Crown, Diamond Dallas Page, Jimmy King. Behold the king. Ah. Okay, Page, hip toss, baby. Now, this must have happened for a reason. We gotta find Jimmy King. Hey, hallelujah. We're on a quest to find King. I can find anyone on the net. St. Francis Motor Court. Jimmy Oh, I know what this is. I may not understand. Okay, so I'm gonna, actually, first of all, Andrew, can you please explain what the hell the WCW actually was for people who don't necessarily <gasps> know? It's more specifically me. Now, you've come to the right place because yes. 
when I first got back into wrestling, on pay TV in Australia, you had Foxtel and you had Optus Vision, which were the two. Right, this is explained to So Optus Vision was like Foxtel, but it was the Optus brand, and Foxtel oh, eventually bought them. Yeah, okay, yeah. Now I'm with you. I'm sorry, but, we just had Foxtel. Yeah. So <laughs> which either one of these you had dictated which wrestling program you liked because Foxtel oh. had WWF, WWE, and Optus Vision had WCW. And so we had Optus Vision, so I became a WCW fan. So just I'll, I'll try and condense it. WCW was originally the NWA, which you see in Iron Claw, which was all these different uh, federations, different territories. The wrestling had different territories. So you'd go you know, up to New York was the McMahons and down to Florida, and then it was uh, I think it was Eddie Graham or Eddie Gilbert. I can't remember which one it is. Von Erichs with um, Texas, by the sounds of it. Texas, Ben so. Eric. You had Graham, Memphis, which was, was Jerry Lawler. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, what was that? Yeah. I said Eddie yeah. Graham. It was, yeah, the tragedy of the Graham family. That was the one where oh, their yeah. father killed themselves too. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. And you had, um, so Memphis was uh, Jerry Lawler, and you had um, the Jarrett's ran their promotion. Uh, Jerry and his dad. You see Jerry Jarrett at the end of Iron Claw. Whose son is Jeff Jarrett, who um, wrestle is still wrestles to this day. Um, yeah. And you had Smoky Mountain, and you had uh, Portland. I can't remember who ran Portland, but that was where um, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper started a lot of his wrestling. Oh, and then you had okay. up into Canada, and you had Stampede Wrestling, which was the Hart founded family, Stu Hart, and all those. But so the NWA was a a you know the big thing, and their champion would go around to these different territories, and you'd book. You know, as you see it in the movie, it's um, Harley Race. And Harley Race comes into your territory and you book him and he comes in, he does a few matches with your guy. And, you know, you'll have him, he'll, like he, like in the movie, you know, he, he'll win a, your, your champion will win a DQ match against him, like get disqualified. And then you bring him back for the big one and you'd never win the title and you'd build up, you know, Ric Flair and uh, Dust Their Rhodes, Daddy, mm. and people like that. And um, who is Cody Rhodes' father. Um, but, the WCW was what the NWA, so the NWA became WCW when uh, Ted Turner bought it after young Vince started buying out all the territories and saying, all right, I'm going to buy you all now. You're going to be, if you don't sell to me, I'm going to take your champ, your best wrestlers anyway. So that's how he got Hulk Hogan and Kurt Hennig and Rick Rude and all these guys who he took from those promotions and they all just sort of collapsed underneath because they could, Vince McMahon was paying these guys a lot of money and the small promoters who were working Texas can't can't compete with paying them, you know, at the time, say $200,000 a year. Well, I'm giving these guys a hundred bucks a show and we're running 20 shows a year. I can't compete. Um, but so WCW became this big, they had the big gold belt, which you see in the movie in Ready to Rumble, which is my favorite looking belt of all time. And you had people like Ric Flair was always their biggest one. Um, Dusty Rhodes, you had the Road Warriors, you had all these amazing wrestlers who came through and they, they sort of bounced between the two. Um, but this is sort of set in 2000 when this is the start of the downfall of WCW. So WCW had been doing all right. They, they were, they were different to WWF. WWF were your meathead, big muscly wrestlers. And WCW would bring in luchador wrestlers from Mexico. They'd bring in Japanese wrestlers like Yuji Nagata and people like that. And they would show, you know, they, they'd be on the bottom of the card. They'd be, you know, people who the curtain opens and they're the first wrestlers out. But it was different and it was interesting. And, you know, these high-flying wrestlers like Rey Mysterio and Eddie uh, Eddie Guerrero and Juventud Guerrero and people like that who are doing flips and backflips and jumping all around. And you still have Ric Flair at the top of the card who was sort of on the way out. You know, Ric Flair was one of those wrestlers at a time where he could have wrestled a broomstick and got a five-star match out of because he was, he was that good. 
and there's another guy who's a horrible person who's kind of ruined his legacy as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so this was what WCW was, and this was they, they made this movie to try and get a bit more, you know, get a few more eyes on their product and, you know, get David Arquette into wrestling and things like that. And it just, look, I have a soft spot for the movie. It's not great. I know it's not, I know it's not a great movie. <laughs> um, but it's funny that, you know, you see WWF or WWE fans or WWF fans at the time made fun of this movie. But then WWE had their own film division a few years later that put out some really shit movies. So they can't really complain. <laughs> It's just so interesting to me, the whole WWE film division, like they could have done so much. Like I've always thought there should be like a cannonball run with wrestlers. Yes. Like, if you, amazing. I feel yep. like that'd be gold. I feel like if you did something like that, that'd be gold. But like instead they make like uh, the Marine uh, mm. part nine or something like yeah. instead they make those weird films. See no evil with Kane. Yeah. And then occasionally they've made like a genius film like Oculus. Mm. Mm. You remember that? That horror film Oculus? Yes. Oh, was that, was that yeah. a WWE yeah. movie? Yeah. yeah. Oh they never God. once made a wrestling movie. Not one of their movies is about wrestling. They've all got wrestlers so in them, or most of them, but not one is about wrestling. That is so yeah, weird. Just, I feel like the WWE film division is such a missed opportunity. Like they yeah. really, they've never done a very good job about promoting any of their wrestling. Like The Miz has never crossed over. I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love The Miz. Yeah, I mean, this is what I only realized because I knew David Arquette was a wrestler, and then oh, he always liked wrestling because he was in a wrestling movie. And then you watch it, and you're like, okay, so actually, the thinking of putting Oliver Platt as your main wrestler, though, I, and I love, I love Oliver Platt. I think he's the funniest thing in this movie. But him standing compared to was it Dusty Diamond Page or whatever his name is, D- Diamond Dallas Page, Diamond Diamond Dallas Page, DDP Yoga Baby. Yes, actually, yes. <laughs> um, is like. That story. DDP actually is a good person. So yeah, you know, no, no, he he's saved not- a lot of wrestlers' lives. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, or, Go- is- or Goldberg, and you're looking at him, and you're looking at those guys, and they're like these men. They look like what you think a wrestler is, and then there's Oliver Platt and whatever t-shirt that he's friggin' wearing, and you're just like not quite believing well, this. Even though I think that. he is the funniest thing, and I think he's generally the funniest thing in the movie, by the way. So yeah. his stunt double is uh, a top five wrestler of all time for me. It's um Chris Canyon, who was, he wrestled as Mortis under this like Mortal Kombat looking mask. Um, he is one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. He he trained Brian Cage. Um, and he was another wrestler who has a tragic ending, unfortunately, because he was, he was a gay wrestler, or he was gay in real life, and never came out. And eventually, people started leaking stuff about him, and he ended up committing suicide as oh, well. Man, sucks. Yeah, so it's a really sad. Th- I, I, he was phenomenal, and he had you know his whole catchphrase was "Who better than Canyon?" And at the time, there weren't many people better. <laughs> no, that that so that's the thing with wrestling because you get excited about it, and then you hear about a personality or something that's happened to someone, and the fact that mm-hmm. wrestling isn't, wasn't, well, I don't know if it still is, the most open place for queer wrestlers, I can't imagine. Um, well, it's got a lot better. Like, you yeah. have you have uh, Anthony Bowens from The Acclaimed right now, who just, yeah. like, he's one of uh, Out, Out Magazine's top five athletes this year mm-hmm. or something. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. I do think it's, it's better. I do think it's, and there are a lot of bisexual female wrestlers, and there's a hmm. lot of, you know, so, and there's Effie. There's Effie. 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 <laughs> you have to you have to look up some Effie stuff, Lindsay. It is he's yes. we, this F- guy Effie runs a show every year called Effie's Big Gay Brunch. It's like <laughs> when it's, he runs Effie's Big Gay Brunch, which is like all 
all LGBTQ wrestlers, and it's phenomenal. Yeah. He's so great. He's a great person. Wendy and I have a connection with Effie because Effie was here last year, and I got to see Effie wrestling. I went after the show afterwards, and I, and you, were, Wendy, you were going to was it the big gay brunch or just a show? Yeah, he was he was doing a couple shows that weekend. Yeah, so so I saw him like so, twice. Yeah, and so Effie passed on a hug from me to Wendy through through this. So like, you know, he he's amazing. He's so funny, and he. He can wrestle, but then he also does like the the match I saw with him here. The him and this other wrestler, you know, in the ring, and you know, if you had him from behind, like hugged him, yeah. and like you know, going to pick him up for a move, and then all of a sudden, kiss from a rose started playing, and they started kissing, and it was oh, hilarious. This is it was amazing. so funny. Like it's it's a yeah, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. He's just he can do comedy. He can do any kind of wrestling. You name it, he's so good. Yeah, oh, exactly. he wears this, he wears this pink studded leather jacket that's really cool. I just saw a photo of it. Yeah. He's great with the, the torn fishnets. He's awesome. Yeah. Um. No, that looks absolutely amazing because, as I said before, we said before, drag race and wrestling do have a lot in common, and I think oh, yeah. it yeah. is it is it is a kind of a form of drag what they're doing because it is all big. It's all performance. It's putting on a show. It is doing things with your insane things with your body. So I think um there is kind of that kind of loop in there with with um with drag, which is why I always find it really funny when people go, you know, drag is harming kids. I'm like drag is you're thinking of a very small part of drag like drag is a huge kind of thing it is not just about men dressing up a woman it's about a theatricality i mean share dresses and drag all the freaking time she is a she is a drag queen essentially and Mm -hmm. all this kind of thing so you're looking at this very small minute part of it um which is kind of a big important part of it because it is very important part into the queer community but it's just like what about wrestling they're doing the exact same thing (laughs) yeah Dalton Castle, Dalton Castle, and the boys. She needs yes. to see that. <laughs> he, he like dresses like a peacock, and he's like hilarious. And he has these like two pet boys who always circle him, and like he feeds them during his entrance. And he sits on them like he will sit one of them to sit down on all fours, and he sits on them with his legs crossed up like yeah. this. And yeah. <laughs> even you know, even go back to like the mid nineties with Goldust, who was probably a bit pushing the evil queer character but even he was like you know he'd come out in like a gold suit and he'd and he would touch himself and he would be all weird and creepy and one of his his finishing move was he'd kick them square in the balls (laughs) (laughs) but i think outside of wwe it's a better environment for a queer wrestler inside of i don't that's what i was probably thinking of yeah yeah they don't have a lot of or openly gay wrestlers in their company or you know you don't see a lot of them or they don't it's not part of it whereas you know anthony bowens who came out recently you know a couple of years ago as a wrestler he's he's a phenomenal wrestler and he's brilliant and it's just it, they've embraced it as part of his gimmick and you know scissor me daddy ass and all that sort of stuff and- <laughs> i was at the show i was at the show it was hilarious like there was a, a thing where like this one other female character like comes out and she was hitting on him and she was trying to hit on him or whatever and he's like honey i'm gay and so for the first <laughs> time the entire crowd erupted into like a non-angry he's gay he's gay he's gay. like they all erupted this whole chant and it was like this would never happen in the 80s this no. would never no happen. no it, he'd be it, an evil character who would be you know touching oh, yes. up men backstage and stuff like it'd be awful it would be you know really really um poor taste and you know going back to the movie because of the era of this movie i was surprised at how little homophobia there was in it you know a lot of these movies had a lot of homophobia in them at the time and this it, one not as much no it doesn't it's surprise me more, as well it's like a standard yeah, of those, those comedies yeah it's more focused on the shit jokes yes yeah. oh. 
Yeah, no, Joey, no shit. It was like right there. It's like when uh, um, Scott, I'm sorry, he's always going to be Scotty Khan. Ne- 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 never Scott Khan. It's got to be Scotty. When Scotty Khan's got in the port of <laughs> thing and then our cat hooks up the thing, it's hot wind. I'm like, dude, shit joke right there. What is wrong with you? And I think I went, wait, this is trying to be a stoner sex comedy, but it's, which all these movies all dealt with shit. I mean, just American yeah. Pie and all these kind of things. Shit was kind of like a staple. And then I went, oh, no, wait, this is the uh, WCW going, oh, but we want... Even though the it's kind of trying to go, we are not just for kids. It's still going, but we wait. The eight year olds are still going to go see this movie, so we, we can't want the be kids too. to come see it. Yeah, we want. So there's this weird comedy, uh, weird thing about it that it never quite settles in on a tone because even though the whole thing is David Arquette and um, Scotty Khan are trying to prove that wrestling is not just for kids, and they can take this to a higher sort of format, a higher level. It's still, but yeah, we want the eight year olds. So it's kind of. Um, a little weird in that respect i think that's kind of where the whole thing kind of broke for me a little bit like i was fully on board for like oliver platt as a wrestler i was fully on board for everything else but that i was like going, oh yeah you are kind of saying you're not one thing but yet we want the yeah because fa- wrestling has always been a family even though insanely violent it's always been in a family kind of industry if that makes yeah. sense yeah well, it harkens back to the circus days yes yeah, it's a carny thing. But yeah, hmm. the movie opens with a joke about him sticking his finger up his ass. You yes! Know? Like, I was, I was Why does it look like I like... have your finger up your ass? Because I have my finger up my ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's on the um, the borderline of the uh, the melty uh, chocolate pretzels from Morris. That is yeah. what I was thinking of. Yes, the melty, oh my God, the freaking melty chocolate pe- pretzels at mm. Morris. Is, ah. No, I, I watch this movie a lot as yeah. a... Shit, I'd be a teenager when I watched this because it was 2000, so I would have been 17 watching this movie. But it was like that. For me, it was the perfect age. It's dumb comedy. It's wrestling. It's two things I love, you know. As I can, I'll can, i sit here and watch Adam Sandler movies and giggle and my kids will look at me like I've been certifiably insane. Um, but like the, the biggest problem I found watching it now was though is that who's the main character? Is it David Arquette or is it Scotty Khan? Like it's both the main character but they're not the main character if it makes sense like it's you know he gets his big thing at the end being a wrestler and scott khan becomes the manager but then scott khan gets the girl but yes yes never doesn't like it's it's almost like they split one character into two people but they kind of yeah. did and it kind of kept trying to decide like uh, scotty khan was the cool cute one who's obviously going to get the girl and david arquette's kind of the goofy one um but then at the same time he's uh, look um, I realized that the whole thing of you can't cannot kill David Arquette was kind of moving him away from his screen persona. Still not happy that he slept with Tatum in in this movie. Like I'm just like, dude. <laughs> well, it could have been worse. He could have done it in Scream, and that would have been a bit weirder. That would have been much weirder. <laughs> but um, and I know that they're not brother and sister, but Scream is so much a part of my DNA that I'm just like, when they got to the whole thing when they're just slapping each other in the bedroom, I went, hang on a minute, I'm not happy with this. <laughs> Andrew, no. I have a question for you. Yeah. So was Martin Landau's character like running the Heart Dungeon? Is that like what yeah. he was supposed to be? Yeah. He was supposed to be Stu Hart. Yeah, yeah. yeah Sal Bandini, yeah. you want to wrestle? Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was. The, the screams and the people walking out all busted open is is Stu Hart, who's Bret Hart's dad. Who, you know, the, if you ever seen the there's the documentary Wrestling with Shadows, the Bret Hart um, documentary through Vinegar Syndrome was released a bit earlier last year. Um, really interesting documentary, but it talks about how. Stu Hart was, he's a, a legend in the industry, but he was also a menace because he'd go, 
come and train at my dojo. Come on, you know. And his dojo was a mat in the basement of the house. And it had like two two ropes on each thing and that was it. And he would just get people in there and he would he'd stretch them. He'd do the stuff as Actor Saber does, but for real. And like he'd have wrestlers passing out and getting hurt and he would just break people down. And it was, you know, it's it's a scary thing that wrestlers talk about going, Oh yeah, you know, it was like a badge of honor in the eighties if you nineties if you'd survived the dungeon. And, you know, Bret Hart came out of there and Chris Benoit came out of there and people like that. So it's, you know, the guys who were the more technical wrestlers. It's a, it's a scary thought. That's a scary thought. Come to my dojo and it's a basement. Like um, that's mm. kind of like you're getting mm. into sore territory there. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the stories, like, you know, Mick Foley talks about him in his book and how they had cats everywhere in the house and he would cook up, you know, it was the eighties and nineties. So you cook eggs for everybody, you know, good protein. And he would like, flick cat shit off the bench with the spatula and then just go back into cooking the eggs and <laughs> so it was like it's just it sounds <laughs> awful and but it seems like one of those places you'd love to be a fly on the wall in yeah as long as you can't smell it because that yeah. cooking eggs and cat shit is, not, is the worst combination i can think of yeah it's um, atrocious yeah i was sort of i sort of put it on twitter i was watching it and billy jarrett if you were listening hey billy um did say joey pants was doing eric Bish, Bischoff, Bischoff, yep. Um, yep. who apparently was actually meant to be that role, and um, so who was Eric again? So, so Bischoff was he was running WCW at the time. I think he was almost out at the time, but he was like the he was the on screen um commissioner role, but he was also like head of everything in the back as well. And he was kind and of so, like the Vince McMahon of the WWE. Yeah, with what less sex trafficking. Yes, um, which but is he, always <laughs> good. Always a good thing. So he was in the in ninety. I think it was ninety six. He was the catalyst of bringing in Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan into. Or Hulk Hogan was already there, but into WCW, and he was the catalyst behind the, the NWO, the New World Order, which was the biggest stable in wrestling at the time. And you know, it came from. They had Scott Hall and Kevin Nash who were worth millions in WWF. They came across the WCW for bigger contracts. And then they had this bash at the beach six-man tag match. And Hulk Hogan comes running up to what looks like to save Macho Man Randy Savage. It, it sounds nuts when I say it like this. Like it sounds like it's, you know, I sound like my nana talking about her stories when I was a kid. And then Roman came in and Marlena was possessed by the devil. And um, but, <laughs> wrestling, so, the, the wrestling federations are are, are, are pretty much soap operas. I mean, my one yeah, of my favorite is. things is when it kind of clicked oh, a little them. bit when watching Glow and um, Betty Gilpin's character suddenly go was she's watching a match. She's like, "Oh, this is a soap opera. Mm-hmm. Oh, I now know what this is. Yeah. Now I know what to do." And so, like you know, Hogan Hogan comes running out, and he looks like he's gonna you know Hogan, who's been the the biggest face in wrestling, the biggest good guy in wrestling for twenty odd years. And he runs out and he leg drops Macho Man Randy Savage and turns bad guy. Mm. And, you know, you had people throwing stuff in the ring and it was the biggest at the time, the biggest heel turn in wrestling history. And it, Eric Bischoff was part of that. He was part of making that happen. Uh, and so yeah. this is the, his, I think his podcast is called 82 Weeks or something. And it's mm. about the 82 weeks where WCW beat WWF in the ratings. Ah, very and cool. Then, he got too much power. They brought in another guy, Vince Russo, who got too much power and between the two of them killed off WCW. Well, yeah, and then ready to rumble apparently helped. But this does feel like yeah. a massive big in-joke. I mean, there were certain things I was getting. Like, I do love the opening scene when um, 
because slushies were such a thing in the, you do not know, if you were not there, you do not know how big a slushies, convenience store slushies were big in the late 90s, early 2000s. Like when Arquette goes in to get one and then it's the whole wrestling thing kind of just mm-hmm. starts and he's like beating up the cashier who's just like the biggest dick on the planet. Like he's just throwing kids <laughs> bike off his thing. Like it's like, what dude? Um, But yeah, it's kind of feels like it's got those little in jokes that I wasn't necessarily getting, which is why I went to, okay, I know this is a stoner comedy. Okay, yeah. got it. But this thing is infused with wrestling. I mean, you have hmm. to know who these guys are. There's so many kind of in-jokes. Um, what do you think about them bringing the cage match in? I mean, was that a thing? Because I know this is, okay, this is me sounding ignorant. Is this the same time that WWF or WWE, whatever it was in the late 90s, early 2000s, was that the Attitude Era? Yeah. Yes. So were they... So That's the DX suck it, crotch chopping, you know, <laughs> that every 15-year-old boy would do at some point at somewhere. And, you know, it was... So this was... WWF always had the hell in the cell. Yeah. Which was this giant cage that they put... It would come down from the roof and would cover the ring with extra bits on the side. And okay, yeah. If you've seen the footage, it's what Mick, Fo- Mick Foley gets thrown off. He gets thrown off the top of it yes. through a table. And it's, you know, one of the most insane spots in wrestling history, which has been beaten many times now because the wrestlers have become even more insane. So they used to have cage matches, but this one they brought in was a three-tiered cage they have at the end. And yeah. WCW actually did that for a pay-per-view when they made David Arquette defend his world title in that cage. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. Which I'm guessing he lost because he was world champion for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, I think Diamond Dallas Page wins it at that point. But it was sort of, you know, Page was the, he was the people's champ before The Rock was the people's champ. Diamond Dallas Page is... Another one of those seems like probably one of the really good guys in wrestling because he's, he, you know, he, Jake Snake Roberts was almost dead. Buff Bagwell was almost dead. Um, Scott Hall was almost dead. He's dead now, but was, yeah. and he got them back to health and he made them healthy and got them off drinking and drugs. And Well, he's a yoga you know, guru now. He's the of. yoga guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, you know, he started, he didn't start really wrestling until he was almost 40. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's like, he was, you know, one of those success stories and, and became a world champion and like that. But um, yeah, so they use that cage in an actual show and it's, it's not great. It's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, cause I thought it was sort of more, I mean, Wendy can speak to this cause you do actually um, kickbox and there's always that cage kind of mentality when you're doing not cage mentality. There's an actual cage you're in. Do you, can, have <laughs> no, you put in a cage? I'm just in a ring. I'm just you're in, in a ring. I'm not in an octagon. Like okay. I'm not full of a day, but, but like, yeah, like, we compete in a ring. So yeah, okay. Just, this is how much I know also about kickboxing. I just assumed it's always in a cage. Like, I was horrified when I found that there was a thing called cage fights. I'm like, but how do you get out of the cage? It's like, you don't. I'm like, oh. Um, it's not the- like wrestling where if you get out, you win. If you yeah. get out of the cage and you get disqualified, you lose. So. Exactly. Yeah, so I thought it was kind of the starting the rise of um, the MA, yeah, oh, sorry, the actual multi-martial arts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. It yeah. rose to prominence in during that time too. Exactly, right? yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was yeah. a reference, but that could have just been wrestling, recognizing there's another thing on the game or coming up and they're just trying to mimic it as well, moving mm. with the with with the times, I guess. Because um, plenty mm-hmm. of ref- wrestlers have tried to do mixed martial arts and if, I only want to know it was CM Punk and that did not go well for him by then. Mm. Not go well. And then yeah. you have like Ronda Rousey or Brock or whatever, yes. you know, yeah. it's like, it's like, it doesn't go well either. Like, I don't understand why. I mean, I guess it's just harder to, uh, Andrew, what do you think? Do you think it's harder for them to uh, go from the, go from MMA and having to learn to pull their punches? Is that yeah. like, that's gotta be. It's two like, different skill sets. I mean, it's not like, yeah, I mean, 
but it's, it, it's different. It's different stamina. It's different. Yeah. Like it's a different type of athletic um, fitness because in wrestling, you know, you, you go for some of them. You know, they have sixty-minute Ironman matches and things like that. But there's lots of rest holds, and you know, you can put a guy in a submission hold while you catch your breath and things like that. And you've got a ref saying to you, "All right, go and do this, and you got to do this next, and everything." And you, you build up to certain things. Whereas MMA, let's put cage bell rings. Here's three minutes. Survive. It's pretty much it. Like it doesn't matter what happens. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's very different. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and- funny because as lo- as much as I love MMA and as much as I love training and doing and and like learning all these things, I don't watch UFC because like I need a storyline. Yeah, <laughs> I need to know. I like once again, it's another thing where like every time I'm like, tell me about these fighters. Tell me about these fighters. Well, this guy's a piece of shit. Well, this guy's a horrible person. Well, this guy's yeah. a horrible. Like, like it's, you cannot be a fan of anything without learning no. that they're horrible people. But I mean, they're, I they're- need to know like. Were these guys best friends? Did one yeah. of them turn up? They're like, why are they fighting? I need a moment yeah. for this fight. <laughs> there, there, I mean, was, there was a time in the UFC where it was like, well, do I cheer for the guy who's a borderline Nazi or the guy who beats his wife? Like, it's really hard right. to cheer for either of these guys. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah. And the more I learn about UFC guys, I'm like, oh, I can't refer any of them. Mm-hmm. I know. There's this ulti- the ultimate uh, machismo. I mean, wrestling has always had the veneer of the machismo going back to the 80s and especially, I'm guessing, the Attitude Era uh, and the WCF Era. It was all about this machismo of big men. But- big meaty men slapping meat. Yes, yes. But there's also all kinds of slapping me. Um, even though these guys were also entertainers and actors and they're also kind of theater nerds as well, which I think does actually yes. come into yeah. uh, Ready to Rumble quite a bit, especially mm. when you are following Oliver Platt, who's kind of the most theatrical. He's a very th- big actor. Like, he's very funny. I mean, my favorite line is, what is she going to do, boob them to death? And it's, yeah. <laughs> it's so um, like, that's what they say about wrestling. It's CrossFit for theater nerds. Exactly. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> And then with as you get the um, Emmett uh, mixed martial arts, and then it's all just kind of no, we are we're gonna be we're kind of trying to walk the talk, and then you're like, yeah, but that just makes you a horrible person. That just actually make you're not pretend, even though that wrestlers there are some, but you a heel is pretending to be a heel. You're just an asshole. Like it's not. Hmm. There's no story there. Yeah, and the thing I feel that's a step even lower are yeah. those professional slap competitions oh my god what the hell is <laughs> like, i saw something um, someone's showed me i'm like why would you do that to yourself blair's a, a, no <laughs> and that's ct like that's totally just brain damage yeah. happening exactly that's all you're watching it's horrible yeah. yeah how is that a thing that's so grotesque to me I, uh, I mean yeah that definitely does fit and we'll get into this with more all the marbles but i think there is this kind of freak show element um like and he said, it's the circus. It's the traveling circus. You are putting on the show. You are showing feats of kind of thing. But there's that illusion there of, okay, this could be real because they are doing things to their body, which you probably shouldn't be doing. But at the same time, you've got this overarching story. And then you just get bare knuckles in the in some shady place in the thing. And it's just literally just trying to hurt the person as much as possible. I mean, is, actually, Wendy, is it kickboxing that you do? Um, I just, just made the assumption. Okay, yeah. Yes, Yes. Yeah, but there's yeah. a there's a skill, there's defense, there's skill, there's pullback. I mean, you talk to Andy Gorham when he talks about his um, martial arts, and he says it's really boring to watch because it's just a lot of hand movements. But it's a lot mm-hmm. of it's mostly defensive a lot of the time. Like I'm assuming with you, you get kicked in the boob, but at the same time you've got pullback. So it's more interesting to actually do the complexity of it than when you're watching it. You're like, I don't know what unless I know exactly what's happening. I don't know what I'm watching. If that makes sense. <laughs> I mean. The- <laughs> 
like yeah the the times i've competed you know like it's it's like uh you know three two minute rounds and you're getting scored based on you know throwing knees and and throwing kicks and it's funny i went to go see some of my friends compete and they have to go to indiana to compete we have to cross the state border because <laughs> you aren't allowed to throw elbows in illinois oh really Yeah. Yeah. Also, something about the sporting commission, the gaming commission, whatever, you're not allowed to throw elbows. So like they have a bunch of these tie fights in, in Indiana and you, that's where you can go and you can just, you know, elbow start throwing elbows, <laughs> throw all the elbows. So, you know, but it's like, like, like Muay Thai is awesome. I love it so much because I mean, it's a lot of the kicking and the punching, but also there's clinching, which is like the upright grappling, Yes, you know, so it's very, very much about like, you know, like being able to work in and work your arms in and work your, you know, like it's very, very much, it's all these things about BJJ and wrestling and all those things mm -hmm. that I love, you know, it's very, very much, it's methodical. It's like feeling feeling out your opponent and feeling the way they shift their weight and what can I do to counteract that and how can I get in on this whole, you know, like, I love that. And then you just break it and you just kick them in the face again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, more I combine like, all the things I love. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Touching people and kicking faces, yeah, it's great. exactly. Yeah. You know, one thing I've still discovered. Not as good in my ground game. I couldn't do MMA. I'm not good in my ground game. No, <laughs> let me kick a person yeah. in the boob or the face, and then I'm happy. No, I mean the one thing. I, one thing I love about boxing movies is I love the training, watching them train on the actual fight. And I think I'm very much the same with wrestling. You've got those training sequences in Ready to Rumble, and that's when I'm. Well, actually, no, my favorite part is when they first find Oliver Platt after he's been kicked out of the, the WCW and then by Joey Pants. I just like how it's only just because, wait, what are you doing? And um, Diamond's just like punching him in the face. Um, <laughs> but when he's in the trailer and he's like wearing this wig and drinking a beer and it's like, no, I'm hiding from some people. Like he owes money. <laughs> um, Let's get back to drag. It all comes back to drag. <laughs> it's all drag. It's all drag. Um, no, but I love how both these movies are kind of making the theatrical a reality by the end. Like that first fight, I really love because they think they're going to be doing a thing. He thinks he's going to do whatever move and um, the king's going to win. And then Diamond just throws that first punch. And the way that um, Oliver reacts to it is really fun because he's like, wait, what? You just hit me. But it's, you know, there's there's many times where, you know, people, there are people who they call, you know, there's the insider terms and stuff like working snug or people who are, you know, people like probably Daniel Bryan and people like that who hit you with just enough force that they're probably not going to hurt you too much, but it looks real. And, yeah. you know, Mick Foley always tells his story in his book about Terry Funk, who was this legendary wrestler who passed away last year, who was one of my favorites. Um, he always had this beautiful looking left hand, like he'd th throw people in the corner. And, and so Mick Foley got to fight Terry Funk one day and he goes, all right, throws him in the corner. He goes, I'm going to learn the secret of this of Terry Funk's beautiful left hand. And Terry Funk goes, just punches him in the face. And he goes, that's why it looks so real because it is. Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's stories of, you know, and you can find the footage online of, you know, when people have um, accidentally hit somebody or worked a bit too stiff on them, you know, there's footage of, um, it's I think it's Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman. And Braun Strowman's this massive guy. He looks like Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. And he, he punches Brock in the face. Brock is a, a piece of shit, but he's also a legit fighter. And you see, you watch Brock. Brock looks at him, punches him in the face, and goes, "Calm the fuck down." And that's it. That's after that, they're all fine again. But he's like, "You get, you know, it's called a receipt. You get a receipt for that. Like, you hit me in the face, gonna give you one back, and then we're yeah. even." Yeah. 
<laughs> actually, I have heard about that. Actually, yeah, I it's my family. They explain it in that that movie about Paige. Mm. Yes, yes, that's probably where I heard it because that's I went and saw that movie going. Oh yeah, no, I, I like Florence Pugh, so I'm going to go see the wrestling movie. And I was really surprised by how much I liked it. But they did talk about the receipts. They're like, no, if you actually do this, you will get it back, and it yeah. will be harder because that's it's yep. just the brings out the equal uh, thing because you're working in a big troop. So yes, people aren't always going to like each other, but at the same time, it's more of a you have to work with each other because if you pull a move on a guy who's not ready, I'm sure that you could break the guy's back. So, or neck or everything. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a big chance of putting, you know, there, there have been people who ended up in wheelchairs or, you know, like, um, whose name I can't remember, Natty Neidhart's husband who got a move put on him and broke his neck and his career's over. He's done. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you can't come it's back from, from that. Yeah. How how people like like uh, uh you know like Edge or or you know like Brian Danielson or even Soraya like like there are some people there's been some tremendous uh, like medical advances have been bringing some be- people back mm-hmm. you know from 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 broken neck stuff like st- not stem cell transplant what like what are they doing now there's there's been medical advancements that have really really been helping people along and and mm. coming back from these careers where they're out for like ten years. And with neck problems and their back, so I don't know. I know even watching <laughs> Ready, even watching Ready to Rumble, which is very sort of glossy and an ad for the WCW, but it is still you just worry about their necks a lot. Even Oliver Platts, who, by the way, his stunt double, I'm sort of more concerned about. But yeah, just when you're watching them fall and the whole thing when they're like flipping people when they're on the the ropes and they're they're kind of grabbing someone and then flipping them over, it's yeah. um it still looks intense. I mean, I yeah. Yeah, I Andrew, would... I worry about Kota Ibushi every day. Yes. <laughs> I worry about that boy's neck every day. Oh, that... Yeah, I don't know. He needs to stop doing the DDT stuff. He needs to stop doing the jumping off cars and shooting fireworks at people and things like that too. <laughs> yes. there you go. There's one for you, Lindsay. So DDT in Japan, DDT Pro, they have a blow-up doll as a wrestler. <laughs> okay. That's, they that's have an invisible doing. wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> and they have, I'm pretty sure they had an eight-year-old girl as a wrestler at one point. Yeah, because Kenny Omega fought an oh eight-year-old my God. girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, they, also, they do these shows once a year called The Boys Shows that are only for women. Yeah. So it's like when they embrace their cheesecake side, like they embrace it. It's like The Boys, they'll do like a fashion show. They'll do like a show at a water park. They did an entire show like on the train, on, yeah. on a bullet. Like they just like DDT does these like insane, goofy yep. And it's fantastic. It's, uh, was it? I think it was Effie's Big Gay Brunch last year. He had that that tag team from DDT, yes. and they halfway through the match, they just pulled their undies off and they just wore around in just jock straps with the yeah. you know, the ass yeah. no ass on them. And they were they picked up Effie's tag team partner, um, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Wendy, Cat, uh, what's her name? Cat something. Alley Catch. Mm. Alley Catch. That's it. And they sit her down in the middle of the ring, and then they go to like put their asses in her face and. And instead, like, Effie comes over and saves her, pushes her out the way, and sits down himself and goes, bring it on. (laughs) (laughs) And the whole match ended with, there was a guy up in the corner, someone, Effie whipped someone into his ass crack, and then someone else got whipped into that ass crack, and then they whipped the referee into that ass crack, and it all just ended up with everyone's faces in ass cracks, and that was it. That was the end of the match. Oh my god! I was watching. I watched my first um, Santo movie because I've been kind of buying yep. them every single time I can kind of see them. 
And the amount of like 69 moves in like yeah. the Labrador matches is insane. It's just like these men with these like massive asses just crushed it into someone's nose. And I'm just like, going, this is hilarious. I love this yeah. so much. You, you have to be um, very comfortable with being very close to another human to get into wrestling, I think. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's right in the in that kind of in-between mm. area. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's got to be a smell. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's kind of a... The 2000s was a, such a fascinating time for comedies because they were kind of these terrible, well, not terrible because I I love them, but it's kind of that stoner kind of sex comedy, but yet you have this kind of attitude era where everyone's, it's all posturing and you kind of kind of see it in this. I mean, even Joey Pants is walking or even though he's being Joey Pants, but he's sort of posturing a lot, which I kind of love. Mm -hmm. It's it's all, even like Cat uh, is all very posturing, even though it's like done in the sweetest kind of goofiest way where i'm still i'm like i love david arquette he's awesome everyone loud and screams their dialogue a lot of the time exactly it's not mm -hmm. just yeah and i think that's kind of the fascinating thing because i guess if we'll go into an older time of wrestling when we get into <laughs> uh ladies wrestling uh with um it's very very different um kind of tonally the the posturing um even kind of how yeah, we're going back to, to a time when it was much more about these little um, factions, family factions, I guess. And with ladies wrestling, it's completely different based. Anything else you want to say about Ready to Rumble before we go into all the marbles? The only other question I had for you was, um, as David Arquette says, if you only have one testicle, does it still make it your left nut? <laughs> <laughs> this movie is not without good lines. <laughs> good, good is a... Um... A, a nice funny. term for it, yeah. Funny, funny lines. <laughs> Still, Oliver Platt is the main wrestler. I just want to really iterate that happened yeah. in the movie when he's up against actual wrestlers. It's, I'm just like, <laughs> this is odd. this very is very odd. odd. This is this is what it, what 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 am I watching here? Now we're leaving the Attitude Era and we're going into On the Road. Uh, so as I like to imagine, curtains are opening and we're going to be getting into, well, yeah, Robert Aldrich's last. The film we'll start with wendy what is going to be your first trailer for all the marbles my first trailer why don't i call it nightmare alley paradise alley yes <laughs> yes <laughs> dancing monkey look at the dancing monkey i'm just glad mom pine alive to see how their boys is turning out look at this i'm a struggling businessman this guy here all his ice around like a dumb eskimo and you throw stiffs in a crate <laughs> very classy crew everybody needs something and what you need is a lot of me wrapped around you on a cold night look so what bothers me is i keep getting a freeze from this tomato i'm here where'd you want this houseboat again houseboat in jersey houseboat in jersey well listen wrestling could be your passport out of the city real soon it's a growing sport i'm telling you you know since everybody knows you now as kid salami i want you to hang a few salamis around your neck it's kind of a trademark salami! banged around too much i don't like it now if you don't like the sight of blood kid you're in the wrong racket okay i'm talking about our brook you love him yes you close the window Annie. i'm gonna close the window oh you want to close the window fine with this one match we can be on the way to some real success yeah who's it got to rest Frank, get a hey, you can't do that first i'm gonna smash you i i just drew a blank i'm so sorry edit that all right all right my first trailer is gonna be paradise alley the Sylvester Stallone movie where he is the manager of a wrestler. And this was a movie, like I saw it when I was much younger and obviously I've forgotten entirely, but I was watching that Stallone documentary on, on Netflix recently. And this was the movie that really tanked him after Rocky. This was like mm -hmm. his, his hubris and his ego trying to make this movie just did not, did not go well. 
but uh, but it's interesting that he did this. I have been, yeah, I've been meaning to watch this movie forever because I kind of heard about it um, and then watching the documentary, it's like, oh, yeah, Paracelli, I need to watch that. And it's interesting, um, well, before that, Andrew, have you seen Paradise Alley? Oh, not for many, many years, but I have seen it, yeah. Yeah, it's just interesting watching Stallone talking about his failures. Like, um, I think it's a very he's acting he's acting toward it very very differently than he probably would at the time. Like, because he is such he is kind of like the poster boy for hubris in a lot of ways. There's so many times where he's like, "Yeah, I no. can make this work." Stallone's got an ego, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I have been meaning to watch this. I think this would be a fascinating one because it is. When was when was so Paradise Alley was the early eighties or mid eighties? I think it was like 82 or something. 82, it yeah. It was right yeah. before First Blood. Wait, was First Blood 82 or 83? 82. Uh, First Blood was 82, yeah. Okay. So I thought he was this... 78. Oh. Oh. Mm. Oh, wow. So he really did Rocky and thought, I can do wrestling now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like literally, that's like a year later. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. But yeah, that's that would be a fascinating trailer in terms of capturing early um i guess this very sort of early wrestling kind of thing um andrew what is going to be your trailer for all the marbles um so i went with another documentary um because i think that the seeing the seedier side of wrestling usually does help people understand what's going on so i went with beyond the mat which is from uh 1999 okay. you can go back to the future you can do anything right Behind the scenes, it's a whole different story. I hope everyone feels like they got their money's worth out there. And for the first time ever, you'll know the real truth. This is showtime. The hard facts. Worried about him as far as his health. You need a new knee now. She's going to live here the rest of her life probably and uh, have seven kids and uh, seven husbands and she'll always remember tonight, man. The family pain. The real danger. I'm a very violent person, and I'll hurt you. So I get paid to do what I'm doing. It's like any entertainer. Come face to face with the wrestling world the way it's never been seen before. Gave up Wall Street for Wall Street wasn't fun. Which had it was a weird one because it, it it was one of the first times that Vince McMahon had let people in to see things. Like it doesn't just cover him. It shows you know Jake the Snake on the indies who comes in and get, gets paid to do a wrestling match. And then they're like in the documentary. Oh, and 20 minutes later, he was in the hotel room smoking crack. And it shows, you know, Mick Foley getting his head busted open by the rock. It shows Vince with this new guy, Droz, who comes in and his, his whole thing was that he was an ex-football player who puked on a football during a game. And like Vince was like, well, we're going to call you puke. We're going to call you puke. And, oh, God. You know, we're going to get you to throw up on two. And, and it's, it makes Vince look like, a piece of shit at the time and everyone sort of knew he was and now it's all coming out how worse how much worse he even is but it's yeah. it's fascinating because it shows the indies it shows terry funk um in his 60s i think he's probably in his 60s at the time still wrestling um it's it's just fascinating it shows the it's not a um like a glamorous side of it it shows that J- jake roberts who was one of the biggest stars is now turning up to indie things for 20 bucks so he's got enough money to smoke crack and you know, Mick Foley, he's seeing his kids after he's got a massive 
cut down the middle of his head because the rock hit him 20 times with the chair. And it's, it's just fascinating. It's, it's, it's not glamorous. And I think it's a, a good one for people who've never really got into wrestling just to sort of go, look, we'll have a look at this, look at this side of it. Look how much effort these people put into this stuff. It's, you know, it's a good one. It's yeah, that would be an amazing one because I think um, especially the differences between this movies, because if ready to rumble is all about established kind of high profile wrestling, we're going to be getting into the indie scene and especially mm. harking back to um, just cause that's the one I saw last night. Uh, you cannot kill David Arquette, which he was on the indie circuit. So he was just mm. traveling around doing all these indie things. And then you find, of course, I love the guy when you go talking about the, to the guy who's like the biggest, like indie um, wrestling fan and you find out this whole community of indie wrestling fans opposed to the yeah. WWF wrestling fans um, which is fascinating but this is getting into really just getting into a gig so you can make some money to pay for the hotel room to do it all again like it's yeah. um, and the fact that all these most of these guys had to do it I mean um, yeah Ric Flair's a piece, I have heard about Ric Flair being a, kind of a, a terrible human being but then when he sort of pops up on Iron Claw and it is very much he's kind of the big time but yet he is still this traveling kind of entertainer as much mm. as the Von Erics are so it's I think it's a really 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 interesting trailer to show and again the show that dark side of what these guys are actually having to put themselves through all the problems yep. that they have and this kind of transient lifestyle so um yeah no I, I love it uh you've seen um Beyond the Map Wendy? Oh, yeah, yeah. And also uh, one of my favorite musicians, Bob Mould from Husker Du. Yeah. He was a writer for, for wrestling. What, did he write for WCW? What did he write for? Yeah, I think it was WCW. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and he shows up and beyond the map because he was mm. he was writing, you know. And so that was super fascinating to me at the time to learn about that, you know. <laughs> and even well, um, Freddie Prince Jr. wrote for WWE at the time, at one point. And yeah. There's always, there's lots of, you know, the connections for wrestling and film and is just it's nuts and music and everything but even like i listen to a podcast where they talk about wrestling and they compare it a lot to stand-up comedy where people travel to go do a show for 50 bucks to get their name on the you know to make a name for themselves and it costs them more to drive to the next town to do another show than they're gonna make in that night but they love it so much that they just keep going and it's you know i don't have it in me because i you know, I don't, I don't want to get out of bed for 50 bucks and then go and get thrown through a window or something like some of these guys do, but you know, good on them for doing it. That's why I'm always so amazed by deathmatch wrestlers. Like, why are you bleeding this much for 25 people? You know, yeah. <laughs> How much you, yeah, you need to be, if I'm going to be getting stabbed with a light fixture, I want to get paid like that. that I want a decent payday and that you know that those guys aren't getting paid they're just doing it for the love of it and you're like oh my god you're masochist what the hell but you know what there is there is one thing in wrestling that i've learned to be true and it's what the uh, ted dibiase the million dollar man says it's everybody has a price like it's not just in wrestling it's in everything everybody has a price you could negotiate a rate that would make me jump throw myself through a window that's fine i would do it it's gonna be a lot of money yeah <laughs> You're gonna have to. But that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Hot dog and a handshake comes from. You know, yeah. it's like just doing a show to get a hot dog and a handshake. You know. Yep. Yeah. And most of the guys make their money off merch. It's you know you you watch the you look at someone like Matt Cardona who's on the Indies now who was in WWE for a long time who comes to Australia a couple of times a year and wrestles and he's always got this. He's the merch god. He has everything. He has T-shirts. He has foam fingers. He has. And the thing is, he's one of the hated, like he's a heel and he's absolutely hated. GCW people want to murder him sometimes, but he always has one of the longest merch lines and he's always lovely to everybody. And, he, you know, you, you can go up and he 
the last one of the last shows I went to, he was on it. He fell on my lap. He sat on my lap while um, John Morrison kicked him in the face. And look, this will sound weird. He smells incredible. <laughs> <laughs> but like my favorite wrestler as a person, the uh, Chicago's own Colt Cabana is yep. this guy. Colt Cabana like is was like the first real indie wrestler to prove that you can make a lot of money just on the indie circuit through selling merch. And he taught the young bucks like this the the trades. And now he runs a company called Pro Pro Wrestling Tees, which is like the predominant t-shirt manufacturer mm-hmm. for all the all the wrestlers now, you know. But like he was the first wrestler of his own podcast. He was the first yep. wrestler to do, you know, to, to do doing all this stuff. And so like yeah, like I mean, it fascinates me. And of course, New Japan has like such a great merch game. Like they have little teddy bears. Oh, all they do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and towels and everything. Oh, all yeah. the ta- I love that stuff. I I wish I could afford all that stuff. But- Colt Cabana oh. was good because he. There are a lot of wrestlers because of his podcast that became big because of him. Like he interviewed guys and they tell their story, and then the next thing you know, they're getting signed by these big companies because. They, you know, the story they have is pretty genuine, and let's let's make them a big star. Like he, he was amazing. He, he should go down as one of the greatest marketing pro wrestling people of all time. And uh, yeah, also, I mean, another sorry, thing is the wrestlers. So WWE was not allowing their wrestlers to do Twitch or to do third party mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But then a lot of wrestlers were making more money like streaming video games and doing stuff like that. So like mm-hmm. like really interesting and so like there have literally been wrestlers who who quit the wwe and just went to only fans because they yeah. just make money they just what make was it mandy money. rose made more money in her first month of only fans than she made in her whole career as a wwe wrestler yeah same as tony storm mm. you know oh my gosh we have to talk about timeless tony storm but that's yeah. another story. <laughs> <laughs> there is literally okay this is the greatest thing about wrestling right you'll now. love this so, you'll love this lindsay this, this girl will become your favorite wrestler okay this is so. There is a woman. Her name is Tony Storm, and for years in the WWE, oh, she's a Kiwi too. Oh, sweet! Yes, that's right. Hmm. Yeah, she's from New Zealand, and her storyline right now is literally all about Eve. Like she is this black and white. Every time they show her on screen, she is in black and white. Yeah, and she yeah. is this elegant, like regal, like movie star. And she and she's hilarious, and she has this ego, and she and she has this way of talking. She's hilarious. And so they introduced like a new character who is like her little sycophant girl, yes, you know, Eve. And so literally, <laughs> they are telling the story of all about Eve. And so they brought in the guys from Turner Classic Movies for one of her matches. Like they brought. Yep. <laughs> Okay, I need to find this. <laughs> need to find her, and it's so hilarious. And I have had two, two or three different people tell me that they have like watched all about Eve now because of this. I'm like, bless you, wrestling. If you are making people watch like yep. old black and white movies, if you are making people watch Sunset Boulevard to understand yep. a wrestler, like, oh, I, I mean, uh, what's her name? Uh, Des- uh, Norma Desma, the ultimate wrestler, yes. the ultimate eel. Like she is. <laughs> yes. yes, that is exactly what Tony Storm is. That is one hundred percent. What's her catchphrase? It's what is it? Chin up, tits out, and watch out for the shoe. Yeah, <laughs> and then she throws a shoe at you. <laughs> and she's, she's just hilarious on commentary. She's just so funny. Did you see it? They asked her. They asked her like who, what, what woman she wanted to wrestle like more than anything, and she was like alluding that she wanted to wrestle this woman Mercedes Monet, who's like the hottest, you know, hot, you know, like the hottest. Mm free agent Pretty property agent. right now mm. only it turns out in the end that she was really talking about wendy richter she <laughs> <wonder> <laughs> i like that one when, when they were talking about some wrestler coming in and she goes i don't watch wrestling 
<laughs> she's she's hilarious like she is really playing this character and every time they show her like they show her in black and white and it's it's just genius brilliant oh, yeah. so perfect um yeah that is actually really good segue because i'm actually gonna go for a black and white classic movie um because you know we're gonna book in paradise alley um so i'm actually going for nightmare alley the original from 1947 oh yeah um, just have the feeling. That's why I'm going to keep away from you. You know... What? I wonder why I'm like that. Like what? I'm never thinking about anybody except myself. Well, you don't think I'd go without you? You mean that, Stan? Absolutely. You satisfied? Oh, Stan, I don't care for nothing now. Nothing in the world. You're not a regular MD, are you? Of course not. But anything my patients reveal to me is as sacred as though it were given under the seal of the confessional. Is that clear? All right, all right. You don't have to get on a soapbox. I'm going to be strictly on the level about this whole thing myself. Will you get out of here? I should have known you were that kind oh, of a... Because there is that classic carny just getting onto the road and just trying to do everything you can, whether it is mud wrestling or trying to con the rich out of um, their money by making them see ghosts. Kind of similar, just kind of thing. My favorite, well, and my old favorite time of line from um, all the Marvels. Oh no, we're losing the seniors. Um, it's... <laughs> <laughs> but watching all the Marvels, and I don't know because it's Robert Aldrich who's got that, obviously, but such a little bit more of a classic sensibility about him. It's kind of that just scrounging to make a buck. Just you're just constantly hustling, and that is absolutely nightmare. It's wrestling, yeah, it's, it's wrestling. wrestling as well. Yeah, it's, it's everything. Yeah. It's the, the hustle that you see it. You know, the, the people pushing the merch. Like talk about with the merch. Like, exactly, their merch all the time. It's, yeah, you know, and it's in all the marbles as well when they're talking about. You know, he's got clout. You can't be nice to these things. They only understand one thing, and he's got respect. Ah! He's going from the bottom of the barrel. Stick with me and I'll have your name up in lights. Reno. To the top of the heap. And he's taking his boys along with him. The California Downs! MGM presents Peter Falk. That's right! Vicki Frederick and Laureen Landon in All the Marbles. If I had a thought, an idea for you girls, that it could be sensational. We are not getting tattooed, Harry. Harry and the girls have been through the ropes. Oh. And back. There's no bones broken, just maybe a bad sprain. Stay off your back for a few days. There goes your social life. They've taken their lumps. We never said you weren't a good manager, Harry. Just a lousy human being. Hard knocks. Yeah. I'm not turning myself into a sideshow freak for you or anybody else. No way. And the mudslinging. You're a lousy lover. You're a lousy manager. Now that really hurts. I am not a lousy manager. That when what's her name? Big, it was a big mama was saying, you know, why are there posters and their t-shirts everywhere? You yeah. Know? Why don't, why it's, don't it's I a have similar... a poster? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's all and about the hustle. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You think about that. That's the era of like the, uh, you know, the Farrah Fawcett poster and all that, you know, like <laughs> that was the era of like the, the pinup, the pinup poster yeah. like that. And that is what they're absolutely doing. Like you have these sort of two women and this is women's wrestling. So this is even the side side to the male wrestling. Though all I could think about watching it was Barton Fink of like how Barton Fink was meant to write a wrestling picture. <laughs> it was... <laughs> It is this kind of thing of these other sides. So I think so instead of going to Vegas, say like in Ready to Rumble, which already had the King's kind of storyline of being kicked out and then coming back and then kind of becoming the champion legitimately instead of like his ego. This is just, these are just two ladies just trying to get to Reno of all places. Like the stakes are so much lower. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy, when did you first see this? Because you were the one who suggested it. Yeah. I first saw it when I was trying to watch a bunch of Peter Falk movies, like a ah, couple of years ago. <laughs> yes, as you do, because the legendary, yeah, the legendary exactly. Squinter is, is, in, is definitely front and center in this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's so good, you know? And so, so yeah, I was going through a Peter Falk kick and I found this movie and I just thought it was so charming and I thought it was so of its time, like yes. watching them drive, like in, like at one point they go to a drive-through uh, grocery store. Yeah, yeah like, I've never seen that before. <laughs> I mean, Australia has drive-through bottle stores, but I've never seen a whole grocery store before. <laughs> right, like they're going to like buy toothpaste at the drive-through yeah. grocery yeah. store. Like, yeah. what window of time was this? That you should, was you'd, you'd have to have your list ready, wouldn't you? You wouldn't want to say, "Oh, what else do I need to get? I needed to get this," and like people yeah. went, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> you can't browse. Yeah. No, you can't. It felt like such a. It, it, I, I like this movie a lot because I felt like it respected the women. Like they yes. really wanted to that surprised me. Really to be very good wrestlers and like the whole mud wrestling sequence, you know, is very much like like that was that was like that was too offensive for for everything. Even Peter Falk was like pissed off about that, you know. And I liked it so much because I felt like Peter Falk genuinely respected the girls until a certain point, you know. <laughs> like, Though he did like, get the he did get the receipt. Like it wasn't like he could just slap Iris and then Iris just like not take it. She was just like she hit him back, yeah. which I no, I was really surprised about how much this movie respected the women because this is a thing of these are women to be exploited. They are commodities. So if you go to a place, they're just gonna want you to mud wrestle because your tits are out at its yeah. And they're going- which yeah. once again like, that's so crazy like that was like such a wholesome family uh state <laughs> kind of thing i'm like the Come old on, kids, let's go see some tits the- yes <laughs> <laughs> the, the old women wanted to see some tits like- yes and even when his wife goes <laughs> you are such an asshole like which he is and but at the same time you go through these women sort of emotional kind of thing of how hard it is what they're kind of doing the kind of the loneliness the isolation what they're putting their bodies through i mean i think iris i mean iris is the dancer she was also i don't know if she was dating bob fossey at one stage but who was this is true <laughs> and bob fossey was that ass i was like yeah be in my movie playing my girlfriend and about me being a shitty person too and she was like okay <laughs> how very fleet would mac of him uh, yeah that's all that i mean all that jazz that's what it is it's like i'm a shitty human being and then i die um, it's and it's a masterpiece it's so good yeah it's so funny thing that that amused me about this movie that i thought was so funny it was like iris has a drug problem yes never mentioned again until the like, end oh, i'm clean now, I'm clean now. Yeah. like what <laughs> see see now if jake the snake roberts had watched this he would have been fine oh that's how you do it you just you don't mention it for like two weeks and then you clean. It's fine. You go cold yeah. turkey for four days and then you're fine and expect to go in the ring and then fight the Toledo Tigers. Like it is, yes. yeah, it's this really kind of 
1981, but it feels so much more, well, 1981 still the 70s, I guess, in film kind of thing. But it feels such like a 70s road trip sports movie. Peter Peter Falk is amazing. Like he does, obviously does care about his girls, but he's everyone is so more interested in just making some kind of money. Um, like mm. when he goes and gamble it, I was like, oh, no, 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 because I know the scene. And then he ends up winning the money. And I'm like, holy shit. Thank Christ. Oh my God. Like it's many beats up those guys. Yes. Because <laughs> I've seen the scene like, where he get, takes all the money and he gambles it and then he goes, Yeah, we have three dollars left. Like it's usually yeah. how it works. Also, I liked it like the the manager of the Toledo Tigers, like that guy, he respected the dolls as well. Like he respected all the women mm. as well. Like there were a lot of like good examples of men who like were were totally totally cool with the with all the women you know i liked that yeah and even they had some women like high up in the um or in like the booking kind of organization kind of thing which i thought was really really cool so it's mm. kind of yes it is giving you all the tits in the ass that you want everyone's styled after farrah fawcett everyone's wearing those bathing 1970s <laughs> bathing suits to wrestle in but it is still very much this emotional kind of story about these women just trying to get a little bit ahead like they don't find out that they're actually doing well until they see a magazine um article about them like that's mm-hmm. kind of how they find out which is kind of amazing especially just because i now days you would know because you'd be all over like um, when you were saying like a lot of wrestlers were making more money on Twitch and OnlyFans and it's kind of that side hustle. But in 1981, you didn't necessarily have that side hustle except for Peter Pork, who's obviously selling merch everywhere he goes. Also, I liked I liked the fact that like part of the part of the linchpin of the story was them having to learn to do a sunset flip. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that was going to be my opening. So I was going to say, girls, have you learned your sunset flip? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's only periodically through the movie. It's like he mentions it three times. Now, have you done your sunset flip? Yes. And you never see them until the end when they pull it off. And you're like, yay, the thing I yeah, saw. Like that triumph moment. And then when they come out in those Bob Mackie outfits. Oh, oh my God. I saw Bob Mackie in the credits. And I was like going, Bob Mackie did the costume for this? And I'm like, where did Bob Mackie do the costume? Oh, wait, there it is. It's when they come out for their big um, thing. And they're in just this amazingly, like, beaded fantasy thing. Like, it's, again, it's drag. <laughs> it's but, in, but in 81, too, a sunset yes. flip, that's a high-flying move in 1981. Like, that's a, you know, yeah. that's a moonsault now where you're doing backflips. That's like, whoa, you know, people would have, you know, had their minds blown in 81. Like, it's, I, and I like that it's the old territory days as well, where he's trying to book people in different territories. It's yeah. that, that time, you know, the NWA sort of thing where Big Mama is the, the champion. So she travels the different territories and, you know, you, you tag champs and all like that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's good, but it's, it just, you know, it shows the, the road that again, the, I made a hundred bucks last night, but it's going to cost me 60 bucks to get a hotel room. And it's going to cost us 30 bucks in petrol to get the next place. Leaves me 10 bucks. It's not, yeah, it's not a, not a glamorous lifestyle. No, and they're constantly counting. I mean, the whole line that Peter Ford keeps saying, those frills cost money. Like, can we yeah. eat somewhere with a tablecloth? <laughs> no, they're going to Wendy's. <laughs> like, that is, it's all about counting those. They're literally just counting their pennies. So, I'm going to stop saying that to my kids. Yeah, those those frills cost money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, now the one thing that took, so they didn't talk about how it was all fixed or, you know, it was no, this all is the one that does in this. Yeah. Yeah, which made me laugh because, Bert Young is supposed to be a promoter who would know that it's all fixed, yet still bets all the money on the girls to lose. Okay, so the whole thing with this double is that you got ready to rumble, which is obviously this fixed game, even though David Arquette is very adamant that it's not rigged. It's real! And it's real! Um, 
and then by the end of it, it does become real because uh, uh, Oliver Platt is not meant to win. He's not meant to get up to the final thing. He's not meant to even get close. He's not meant to win. The whole storyline is for Diamond to to be the champ. This one, it's kind of like, because I was watching, um, like, especially the David Arquette and some of the documentary we were watching about indie, in the indie scene, I'm like, so who does decide the match? I mean, it's like a traveling kind of thing. So do the like trainers just get together and go, okay, so this is our territory, so we should win, or maybe we need an upset, that kind of thing. So it still has to be choreographed, or it can't be it can't yeah. be decided in the ring. I mean, that's that's just well, asking for someone to break their neck. They have a booker who's backstage who says, "All right, now this person's going to win. This person's getting over. They're going to win this." Rah, rah. Yeah. Um, but depending on the wrestler, like there are, you know, there's stories of like Macho Man Randy Savage who wanted everything spelled out in the ring. Every match, every aspect of the match had to be worked out. Yeah. And then you got people like like Wendy's favorite Brian Danielson who who's just like, oh, see what happens. This is oh, this wow. is what yeah. we this is this. This is our big spot. This is the finish. Whatever happens in the middle there, we just do it. And he's he's a master. Daniel Bryan's you have Daniel to- Bryanson is amazing and he is a master of it all. You would have to be a master because if you find yourself in a flip, you have to, okay, now I have to hold my body like this so I land flat or something. Hmm. So, yeah, because I always I wondered about the indie scene because I know the big ones have riders, so they track every single storyline, except when the, when the rock comes back and it all suddenly gets last-minute change. It's like, sorry, Cody. <laughs> we love you, Cody. I'm curious about the international matches, like, like when an American goes to Japan and wrestles somebody hmm. like – when there's a language difference, like how do you figure that out? How do you call things out to each other? How do you figure that out in the ring? Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. Well, usually I think sometimes they use a um, they try and get a referee who can who's bilingual. I know that a lot of them have done that in the past, where you know they'll get a Japanese referee who speaks Japanese and English, and they can sort of work their way through it. But yeah, mm-hmm. I reckon that would be the most difficult part, unless that's one of those ones where you, we have to spell everything out because we can't really call much in the ring. Yeah, it's it's like that scene in Iron Claw when I think it's oh, I can't remember if it's when the three of them, well, when the three older brothers are starting to wrestle together. Um, if they're talking to these, but I think it's when um David joins and they sort of they have a quick when they're about to walk up, they have a quick okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this. What are you going to do? We'll, With, we'll um, do this, this. Bruiser Brody and Gino Hernandez, yeah, yeah, you yeah. do this. We're going to do this. Then the bot cross body off the top rope, and uh, yeah, yeah, Which that's, is, that's what it was. A lot of it was, you know, yeah, well, brawl because back then there was a lot of brawling. It was more just punches and kicks. And not so many big moves. And so they could say, right. And then the finish is the crossbody off the top, or you hit me with the iron claw and we finish the match. Oh, Whereas yeah. now they do so much stuff. They do so many, <laughs> all the, what's, what's the word? The, the flippy dippy shit. The flippy dippy <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> But like my favorite, like I loved it in the movie at the beginning of the movie when they were they wrestled the Japanese girls and their manager is like, oh, you guys have to come to Japan. I'm like, yes, they're gonna go to Japan, and then yeah. they never go to Japan. No. I think <laughs> I like to think they go to Japan after that because even yep. when in Iron Claw, what's his name, when he gets his world champion, he can come to you. We'll get him to go to Japan. It's like this kind of, or when he's about to get the world champion, he can go to Japan. So I like to think that they him, unfortunately. No, no, no. Did not. no. I oh, was reading even... about the movie, and that was spo- they were supposed to do a sequel, and the girls were going to go to Japan and wrestle. But um, unfortunately, the director passed away. I want, I want a modern sequel. I want them to make that sequel for me now. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. Robert Aldridge was a co-director on a movie called Body and Soul, which is an amazing boxing movie with um, John Garfield. If you've never seen it, mm-hmm. it was written by. It's got uh, directed by Robert Resson, who also did The Hustle, so really good sports <clears> director, and also boxing about this uh, young Jewish kid who's just never going to be able to get to the Ely top. Kazan? Well, Ely yes. Kazan. No, not Eli Kazan. It was, um, the, I think Eli Kazan threw this guy under the bus, actually. Let me just pull up his name. Abraham something. 
Um, he also did a movie called Force of Evil. If you've never seen it, Scorsese got half his moves from it. Like it's like there's a there's a camera move. I swear that's out of Goodfellas. Yeah, it's more wrestling. You know, people get their moves from other people. It's it's it wrestling yes. is it wrestling is life. Wrestling is life. That is what we. That's what I'm learning from this episode. Wrestling is life. Like Danny and Ted Lasso. Soccer is yes. soccer is life. No, no, wrestling is life. Yeah, wrestling is life. Um, Football is life. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, Robert Aldridge got his sort of start as a, as a, um, a second de- uh, second director and assistant director, and that's kind of one of the movies he kind of worked on. And then he sort of ends his career with um, a wrestling movie, and I, this is like from 1947 to 1981. This is a huge career. Oh, Abraham Polinsky. Um, he had a very, very short career because um, of the Red Scare and the um, Hollywood blacklists. Same with him and John Garfield, actually. It's a really sad story when you read about it. But he was a really interesting screenwriter and he was about to get his directing career kind of off. And then I think Eli Kazan might have thrown him under the bus. Speaking of boxing movies with um, On the Waterfront, which is about him trying to justify why he did what he did. And I love that movie, but I'm still like John Garfield should have had Marlon Brando's career. <laughs> But yeah, this one is really good. Yeah, I love the fact that this is his last movie. I didn't even realize it was Robert Aldridge. I was watching the credits going, wait, is that the Robert Aldridge? Right, right. What? (laughs) Directing a female wrestling picture? What is going on? It's and it's a good movie, I think, because of it. Because I was sort of expecting a much more like the Big Mama's House or like a a movie that was going to be similar to like a woman's prison movie, like very exploitative, lots right. of tits and ass. And then I get this very thoughtful kind of meditation on what it's like being a traveling showman and this, the, the hardships of it. It's just like, Oh yeah. my God, this was not the movie I was expecting. I, I like that. It was a, I'm so glad you watched it. I'm so yeah. glad you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. It was, you know, the ultimate goal is to be the champions, but it's just the journey. It's not, there's no real story no you, they start you know, they're just, already wrestlers yeah. when they start yeah yeah and they're already yeah. there so you already know that they're wrestlers and it's just the, the ups and downs of traveling on the road and you know it it um there were a few years ago there was when you know the, the fabulous moolah the female wrestler who they see another one who was a another piece of shit massive Horrible, piece of yeah. shit who was you know um <laughs> pimping out the female wrestlers. And I thought oh, that's geez. where we might be going. Like when he's like talking about, you know, the stuff that they could be doing, I was like, oh, is this where this is going to go? Yeah. But I, no, she was, yeah, she was pimping them out. And um, it, I think the mud wrestling in this was, you know, like it, it felt exploitive in that they didn't want to do it, but it wasn't as bad as what the real life had been for some of these female wrestlers, you know, with Mueller and people like that. Like, you know, every time when the Dudley boys used to put her through tables and everyone was shocked, I'm like, no, nah, she deserves it now. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, it's... Yeah, like, oh, Throughout most of the movie, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that Peter Falk hasn't taken advantage of these girls. He doesn't have a romantic relationship. He doesn't have a romantic relationship. Like, and then, you know, like, oh, fuck. You find out he has been having a romantic relationship. But no, I mean, I like the fact it was her decision to sleep with Burt Young, no one Mm -hmm. else. And yes, Peter Falk did the whole stupid male thing by getting jealous and slapping her. But then yeah. she slaps him back and then she's in the shower. And it no, I don't, the fact that the movie still shows her in the shower being really angry and upset with herself, the fact that she had to do that to get the Toledo, mm-hmm. um, not the Toledo, the um, the the gig. So it kind of shows that, that yeah, that was probably a, very much a part of it that you had these sleazy um, bookers who were like, oh, well, yeah. I can, if, if you go out with me, then we can make, make out some kind of deal but it's her choice and you see the emotional ramifications of that. Mm. And then the next time he's like trying to get onto it, he's just like, no, I got what I needed from you. I don't need anything else. So 
you can fuck off. And um, (laughs) that was something, yeah, this movie constantly surprised me about how much agency these women were given in terms of their own career. It wasn't like they were being pimped out. And even when they have to do the mud wrestling, it's an emotional thing that happened to them. She's like, I can't be standard laugh. I'm not a freak and I don't want to be laughed at. I want to be Mm. taken seriously. And that's her whole thing. Um, Even if she does conjole her friend to keep doing it, she's like, I want to quit. No, you don't. You really don't. (laughs) And then 500 bucks back then is a big payday too. It is, yeah. For a wrestler, that's, you know, 500 bucks was 1981. That was, you know, 10 times as much as they'd probably be getting normally. So, you know, it's, it's, but it's, you know, you get the whole, how horrible they think it is exploited. But, you know, you think of it, unfortunately, the money, money talks, unfortunately. There's always a price. So when they say they're not going to do it, the next thing you do, you see them in the mud wrestle. It's like, well, yeah, they're still getting paid. So that's just the, yeah. No, I, I knew it. And because uh, Wendy suggested it, I know in two months Criterion's going to release it or something, and it's going to be. <laughs> I hope they do. And, yeah, it's so Yeah, funny. I hope like they do I, as well, actually. I, I think, it, yeah. yeah. It's only called All the Marbles in America. Apparently, California Dolls. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. It's called California Dolls everywhere else. Apparently, uh, nobody else uh, knew what, knew that turn of phrase. Apparently. Well, it's like Encino <laughs> like Man. It's only known as Encino Man in the States, and everyone else it was California Man because no one, it was like, what's Encino? <laughs> it's, no, it's a suburb. <laughs> So yeah, we always knew it as California Man. <laughs> That's yeah. Fun. yeah, no, this is it's the difference in between these two movies is really fascinating. Again, it's the big Polish production of major corporation that does does wrestling, and then the kind of the small, just on the road, just doing DIY kind of wrestling thing. When it, you, as Andy said, it was more brawling. So you, even though this does have a lot of tricks, and I mean, um, I think it was Wendy was saying there's a, there was a lot more wrestling in it than you thought there would be. Yeah, there was a lot of actual wrestling in yeah. it. I was quite surprised. <laughs> and I don't like think there's any actual wrestlers entire, in it. <laughs> yeah. Right, that entire long match at the end. It's yeah. like 10 minutes or something. It took a long time. <laughs> yeah, and I actually started to believe it. I'm like, no, wait, she can't breathe. You need to stop doing that. She can't breathe. <laughs> then I had to go, wait, this is wrestling. She can breathe. It's not, it's probably very uncomfortable, but like it's the whole thing of the match, even though this kind of suits it as you don't know who's going to win and everyone's betting on it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Bert Young knew exactly who was going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, like the fact that yeah, we're expected to just believe it. We're, we're like, we're just going to go along with that. I'm just going to put aside that I know what wrestling is about and just go with this story. You know? Yes, <laughs> exactly. But that was kind of the funny thing. I'm like, oh, this is, this is wrestling if it was real. It's like they actually went in. And it was an actual competition, which is still, I mean, we've sort of discussed how hard it is, but the fact that they were just like, oh, we don't know who's going to win. I'm like, okay, that's, that's fine. <laughs> it's still a really good, I love how the final, uh, I love that final fight though. It is so entertaining and it just goes up and down, up. It, it, it works mm. how you want that final fight to work. And that bleeding and all sorts of stuff. Like it's, you know, that's such a massive part of wrestling over the years as well is, you know, the, the blading and the, you know, bleeding for entertainment. Like, you know, someone like Ric Flair when he used to bleed and he'd have his bleach blonde hair and then all of a sudden it was a pink colour because he's he used to bleed like a stuck pig, the yeah. silly man. And, you know, it's 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 one of those things that sort of it went out of wrestling for a long time. Um, WWE. Yeah, and John Moxley came along and bleeds just, just in a normal match for fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, but it's it's one of those things where I think it has its place but god you, not every match please yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Like, it gets a bit too, it makes it a bit too real. I'm like, no, no, I, I don't need this to be as real. Like a little goes a long way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about all the marbles before we finish up? Because we have been nerding out for quite a while. When just we're getting something to eat. <laughs> Yeah, I, just, I just hope that people can find this movie. I think it's a, a really nice little slice of life, uh, you know, character study, late 70s thing. I, I think. Uh, no, it was a little hit. Yeah, it was a really surprise hidden gem because I thought it was going to be one thing, like 1981, Fear My Wrestlers. And it's not exactly that. It is much more this, yeah, this character study, um, kind of like uh, the first Magic Mike when you think it's going to be all abs and thingy and then you get this amazing character study about this guy who just really wants to sell furniture but has to do stripping as a um, <laughs> sidekick. Yeah, we've, we've all had that problem. I don't know about you guys. But... I, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you get the next one, which is what I thought Magic Mike was going to be. And I'm like, oh, this is just joyful. Um, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's very much that kind of vein of these are what these women are going through to get to this small victory. And then you get these amazing Bob Mackie costumes at the end of it. And you're just like, holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> that reveal is amazing. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for coming on this. I have learned so much about wrestling and the fact that I finally managed to get, well, it would have been really easy to get you two together because you two are best buds, but it was so cool to actually get you in and talk about something that like wrestling and to learn so much about it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that we got to tell you about stuff. Yes! Yeah. I have we'll, so much to check out. This is great. We will convert you to a wrestling fan. Don't you worry. We'll get you there. <laughs> <laughs> if Timeless Tony Storm doesn't do it, I don't know what will. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's going to be Timeless Tony Storm. That just sounds like the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> That's great, yeah. Um, before we go, please, uh, Wendy, please tell people where they can find your good work. Well, you can find me currently. I am working on a solo album. I'm working on a synth pop album. And so I've been releasing a song every Monday on TikTok. You can find me at Marital Street is my TikTok handle there. Yeah, it's, so, I love that name so much. Marital Street. That's where I'm going. That's where you can see me pound on my little drum machine. That sounds awesome. Uh, Andrew, where can people find your good work? Uh, I'm at Andrew underscore Shaw 23 on whatever that twitter x thing just, just, just call it twitter just call it twitter yeah and i'm on i think i'm on everything now but just i can't even work out what my usernames are at this point there's so many i do but yeah yeah i'm i'm the same you can find me either at reading geek or schlocken or one um on most of the socials like i think i'm going on instagram a little bit more than i was um we'll see how that works out because still owned by a megalomaniac um just a what different one are you yeah. are you schlocken on instagram uh, yes, Shock and All One on Instagram. Yeah. Also on the other ones, uh, of course, you can find us on all the pods. And this has been a true blast. Uh, I am going to be looking at uh, different wrestlers now because this was actually really, really exciting. Yes. Um, and yeah, we will be back with another double feature. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.